This is Sid and Friends in the Morning. 77 WABC. Big news out of the Middle East. Israel and Hamas have agreed to extend their pause in fighting for two more days. Now, the deal is expected to follow the same conditions as the original temporary ceasefire. Three Palestinian prisoners released for every Israeli hostage freed. 69 hostages, all kidnapped during the Hamas terror attacks on October 7th, have been freed. 50 of the hostages were released under this deal that the U.S. helped broker, and 30 of them are children. Now, on Sunday, the hostage for prisoner exchange included the freeing of the youngest American captive, four-year-old Abigail Moradon. The agreement has also freed 150 Palestinian prisoners. And in Israel, we saw Elon Musk touring Kibbutz Kafarzah, visiting the house where Abigail was kidnapped and her parents were murdered in front of her. The trip comes after the billionaire faced international backlash for endorsing an anti-Semitic post. Musk was scolded by Israel's president over the content on his social media platform X. School Chancellor David Banks met with students and teachers at a Queens high school to try to defuse a troubling incident. Hundreds of students ran through the halls to protest a teacher who attended a pro-Israel rally. Students at Hillcrest High School streaming out of school, supervised by dozens of police, school safety agents, school officials, and even Chancellor David Banks. It came after some 400 students supporting the Palestinian cause ran through the halls targeting a teacher who attended a pro-Israel rally and posted a picture on her Facebook page supporting the Jewish state. My message was simple. Uh, we are unequivocal. Uh, violence, hate, and disorder have no place in our schools. Anti-Semitism, Islamophobia, and all forms of bigotry are simply unacceptable. Up. The chancellor spent hours at the school of 2,500 meeting with students and teachers to try to understand what had happened. He said the problem was that many young people get their information from social media and that what they were seeing were pictures of Palestinians being killed. He also said it was irresponsible to lump all of the students together and say they were radicalized or terrorists or anti-Semitic. This notion that this place is a, a, a radic- these kids are radicalized, and anti-Semitic is the height of irresponsibility. After the consumathon of Black Friday and Cyber Monday, today is Giving Tuesday. It's a global movement that encourages people to give back to their community. More than 34 million people participated in Giving Tuesday last year. They do things like volunteering, donating goods or clothes, supporting local organizations, national organizations, you name it. Supply chain problems and rising inflation have led to higher prices for everyday items like groceries, gas, housing. It's become more difficult for families who live on a fixed income. Sid, you have the best morning show in the business, and it's a privilege for me to play a small role in it. I listen to you on the way in here, meaning, you know, I turned it on on ABC Streaming. It's very exciting. You have a very natural flow. You keep it moving, you know, even oh with all the ads in between, you can still hear Sid. And you got a nice voice, you got a, a, an on-air presence that comes across, Sid. And I know why you're successful. I mean, you relate to the audience and they hear you. My friend Carrie Lake. Carrie, good morning. How are you? You have the best show in America. <laughs> Which is why I wake up at ungodly hours to come on your I know show. it's early. Being on your show, I'm telling you, you're terrific. You've, you've got it. You're you're the, you're a showman, and I was I appreciated being you know just being with you on the show. Fantastic. Your voice, however, I find is very soothing and very listenable, and you are the best in the business for a reason. Oh my god! And you and also you have like. 
the tonality, like, you know what you're getting right away. It's like, I'm Sid Rosenberg, I'm a New Yorker, and I'm going to give it to you straight, right? Like, that's what you're going to get. Can I say something real quick? Sure. There's a reason you're number one in New York. You are fantastic. Oh my you God. really are fantastic. You are number one, and you're a great guy and a great friend, and just take care of yourself, and we'll speak to you again soon. morning then till tuesday voices carry as we get going on your tuesday edition of sitting friends in the morning good morning new york city 608 now on this dark post thanksgiving tuesday and uh, we're off and running we got a great great show today you know those uh testimonials that we continue to add to carry lake running for Senate in the state of Arizona. She was actually on Greg Kelly's Newsmax TV show last night. We uh, we aired her yesterday, and uh, it was only a couple of weeks ago that Judge Napolitano made the, the montage. If you're keeping score at home, the people you actually hear from in that montage, which is very humbling. <laughs> Sir, wait, yeah. wait a second. Yeah. What the heck is keeping score? Well, keeping score. What are you we got to know who the people about? are. This can't be some random voices. It is Judge Napolitano, Michael Savage, Carrie Lake, Academy Award winning actor John Voigt, star of daytime television Kelly Ripper. The man coming on this morning at 8.40, known as the great one, Mark Levin, and the greatest president in the history of this country, Donald Trump. 
It's not a bad uh, roster of folks there, Lewis. <laughs> you're keeping score. Yeah, if you're keeping score at home. Those are the folks. Wait a second. I missed the third person. Write it down now. Judge Knapp, Michael Savage, Carrie Lake, John Boyd, Kelly Ripper, Mark Levin, Donald Trump. The only person we're missing is Howard Stern. But are we really, Lewis? So did you think your career was over after that? I did. That? I remember waking up the next morning going, I'm 33 years old, and I can't believe it's over. And I didn't listen to Imus, to be honest with you. I listen to you. Right. You know? And, but, uh, well, so does Imus. Of course. <laughs> yeah. But in the 70s, when I was a kid going to school, my dad would listen to Imus, you know, right, right. Uh, before you were a monster star. And, and so I thought I knew a little bit about the show. So I figured when I got there, it was just total zany idea that he was trying to become a different type of guy. You well, know? here you are, a sports expert, and I can see you got the gift of gab and everything. Well, thank you for that, Howard. You've got the gift of gab and everything. So, and that date back, uh, that dates back many, many years ago. My voice wasn't even the same. That was like, I believe, 2000 or 2008. No, that was, uh, that was such a different tonality. Yeah. That's, <laughs> yeah. I, I don't know how you could even. Uh, See what you did there? Yeah. Very good. I'd Kelly like, Ripa. I'd love to hear Kelly Ripa describe what tonality means. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I would pay for that one, actually, as much as I love her. Yeah, yeah. Listen, yeah. we got serious news today. We, uh, we like to joke around just a little bit on this program because the news is uh, so damn depressing that, uh, once again, if you're just uh, waking up, there has been an extension for the um for the ceasefire and i have to tell you that while i'm thrilled to death that these families are being reunited that these children have been released by those hamas palestinian animals i'd be lying to you if i did not admit there's a part of me that misses bombing the shizzle out of these people i actually miss the plumes of smoke overhead Gaza, and hearing about Hamas and other Palestinian terrorists dying in the streets. I miss it. I'm not going to lie. If that makes me insensitive or a bad guy, that's me. But there is a pause. The original four-day pause is now a six-day pause, which will allow 10 terrorists a day, 20 more, on top of the 51 Or 69, if you include people from Thailand and Philippines and Russia. Anyway, here is uh, John Kirby, Pentagon spokesman, making the official announcement yesterday that the four-day pause is now a six-day pause. Lewis, cut number one. We welcomed the announcement just a little bit ago, I think in the last hour or so, by Cutter, that the humanitarian pause in Gaza now, in its fourth day, will be extended for another two days through Thursday morning Israel time. This humanitarian pause has already brought a halt to the fighting together with a surge of humanitarian assistance. Now, in order to extend the pause, Hamas has committed to releasing another 20 women and children over the next two days. We would, of course, hope to see the pause extended further, and that will depend upon Hamas continuing to release hostages. You know, there's uh, another story about one family. They call them redheads, mother, father, and two boys. And I guess they all are redheads. And uh, they've been given to a different terrorist group in Hamas. In uh, Excuse me, in Gaza. Hamas no longer has them. And there are only four. Who knows? I heard something yesterday that said upwards of 40 hostages have been moved somewhere else. And no one knows, including the Israelis, where they are. 
Noam Layton is back. He was out yesterday. He's got some nasty thing on his head. I have no idea what it is. <laughs> but thank God he covered it this morning. I hope you're okay. Are you okay? I'm fine, yeah. That's not cancerous, is it? No, it's, uh, you know, the little Mohs surgery, which is always a lot of fun. Oh, yes. Yeah. I've had one of those, too. Mm-hmm. Side of my head. All right. So, uh, well, I'm glad you're back and feeling better. We did miss you. Jimmy Flippin did a good job, but you're the best. Uh, give me this. Uh, this, um, this other group, or at least 40 hostages... No one's exactly sure where they are. Is that uh, Has that been confirmed? Yeah. When you talk about an intelligence failure that started back on October 7th and continues to this day, they do not know where some of these hostages are. But, Sid, let me tell you how sick this one is of this family of four of these redheads. It's the Bebos family. And uh, one of the kids is a 10-month-old. And um, they have moved this family to a different area of Gaza. And the area they purposely have moved them to, they think in the last couple of days, is the exact spot that Israel plans to bomb when this truce is over. Right, so they want to make sure that these four people die once Israel starts to rebomb them. Exactly. So it's, they're, they're holding on to a 10-month-old. Now, by the way, we don't even know if all of these four family members that were taken together are still together. That's not even clear today. Geez, and we also have no idea what's going on with the Americans you know, we have uh, really no idea how many American hostages there are. Because after John Kirby announced this pause yesterday, somebody asked the Pentagon spokesperson about how many Americans are still being held hostage. And it sounded to me, and you be the judge, like he had no idea. This is uh, Lewis John Kirby, cut number two. How many Americans are still being held hostage? John, how many Americans are still being held hostage, and do you have proof of life? We think the number is, um, well, it's less than 10, probably in the neighborhood of, what? you know, about 8 to 9. <laughs> um, but we don't necessarily have firm, solid information on each and every one of them. Pathetic. Then he goes on to talk about how this next round, this two-day extension, which promises to send home 20 more hostages, that Americans will be included in that mix. This, Lewis, is John Kirby, cut number three. Any possibility that Americans will be among the 20 that we release over the next few days? Well, we certainly hope so. I mean, we're going to watch this very, very closely. We're certainly hoping that another batch of uh, hostages gets released today as part of the fourth and final day of the original agreement. Um, we're going to be watching closely to see if any Americans are in that group. As it, as it has come out over the last three days, we don't really know until you get into the end game who's going to be actually on that list. And, and then even then, you've got to watch closely to seeing if who's on the list is the folks that actually come out. So we're watching and, and hoping. They seem to be lost to me. Have you ever felt, uh, Noam Layden, because you're certainly much more liberal than me, I won't even ask Lou this question. Have you felt over the last couple of weeks that Joe Biden has done an extraordinary job here? And no, I'm being serious, that his uh, diplomatic ability has really come to light over the last couple of weeks, especially during these pauses and hostage negotiations. Do you feel like Joe Biden has come across as a real leader? You're laughing, but I'm asking you that question right. seriously. 
Well, okay. I can only tell you what we've been told, whether it's accurate or no, not. No, I don't want what we've been you told. Can... I want your opinion. Yeah, You're watching no. this unfold. I mean, for sure, as somebody who's a world leader on a world stage who has uh, can change things and move things, yeah. it doesn't feel like he's done a whole lot. No. Right, exactly. Well, you wouldn't know that if you watched, and this is why I have Justin Ellick shut it off every morning, if you watch those two skanks, Joe and Mika, on MSNBC, Joe Scarborough on Joe Biden yesterday spits in the face of what you and I just said. Noam, take a listen to this. I'm going to play this for Levin later and Bill O'Reilly tomorrow, and they're both going to kill themselves. Here's Joe Scarborough, cut number seven. What we don't see on the front pages of newspapers, what we don't see all too often on TV is extraordinary work that's going on behind the scenes, a quiet diplomacy that President Biden is, you know, is taking part in. You know, you hear, oh, wait, there's a snag in the hostage negotiations. And I remember this weekend I looked at you. I said, you watch Joe Biden's going to get on the phone. Mm -hmm. And you've got, of course, uh, you've got whether it's. Anthony Blinken or Jake Sullivan or Bill Burns or, or, or I mean, uh, Brett McGurk or all of these people that are doing Brett such McGurk. extraordinary work. They're quietly working behind the scenes. And sure enough, yeah. we heard a few hours later, there's been a break in the impasse because President Biden got on the phone and he started calling, whether it was our allies in the region or whether it was the, 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 the head of you know, the Qatari government, uh, the mayor of Qatar, uh, the Israelis. It's it's extraordinary work being done by Joe Biden. Is there a bigger asshole on television than Joe Scarborough? Let's be honest. i completely honest. This guy was a right-wing Republican who used to suck up to Imus every morning, begging Imus to put him on. What an asshole Joe Scarborough has become, yes? No Is that fair to say? Remember the radio show? God. Oh, my God. <laughs> Him and uh, Mika, WABC. That was before my time. Yeah, it was pretty awful. But I was told they got caught in the studio doing some unsavory things, you know. Well, that was before that they were out to the public. Right. Yeah. Now yeah. they're married. Yeah. What do you think about Elon Musk? You know, Musk was in Israel. And listen, he's being paraded around by Israel's most important politicians, including Netanyahu. And he was actually at the kibbutz where Abigail, the four-year-old who was actually uh, released by the Hamas a couple of days ago, where her parents were brutally murdered right in front of her. So the Israelis paying a lot of respect to Elon Musk, this despite the fact that a couple of days ago he got in some hot water because on Twitter, which is now X, there was some ad, I guess, for Nazis, (laughs) which um, is not the place for it, obviously, And now people are calling Elon Musk an anti-Semite. What are your thoughts, Noam, on that? Well, he had liked some posts that people deemed anti-Semitic. And he pushed back hard against it. And to his credit, the next thing he did is he got on the plane and he flew to Israel to say, hey, I'm not an anti-Semite. So if he's doing all that, you got to take him at his word. Listen, Dove Hyken, to me, is the king of all Jews. Once again, spent the better part of four decades as the great assemblyman from Borough Park. He has been to Israel time and time again. This is not because Dove is a dear, close, personal friend or that he had the balls after 60-plus years to actually go from a Democrat to a Republican. It has nothing to do with that. Dove has spent his life fighting for the Jewish people. And he talked about Elon Musk yesterday, and it sounded a lot like what you just said, Noam. This is Dove Hykend, who's live in Israel right now on his own social media on X, talking about Elon Musk. I have a little bit of experience 
on Jew hatred, on anti-Semitism. I can recognize a Jew hater from a long distance. And let me be very, very clear. Elon Musk is not an anti-Semite. He is not an anti-Semite. And, and you really know it, those who are being so critical of him. He has made some serious mistakes. He says things we know in many other areas as well that are a little, you know, like, what did he just say? But an anti-Semite? No way. I know there is an agenda on the extreme left to undermine him, to hurt him and destroy him. But the fact he is now in Israel, meeting with the prime minister and members of the cabinet during the war. Do you think that the prime minister would be meeting with an anti-Semite? I don't think so. So there's an agenda, and he's made mistakes. But I consider him a friend of the Jewish people, without any doubt. So let's stop playing politics with Elon Musk. He is not an anti-Semite, not even close. Oh, thank you, Dove Hiking live in Israel. That sets us up for a big, big show today. You know, I played uh, me and Stern at the very top of this segment. Debbie Schlussel had a regular slot on the Howard Stern Show for years. She was actually very, very good. She's been on with us once, and she makes her return coming up at 6.45 this morning. Debbie Schlussel, of course, live in studio. He does a tremendous job every weekday about 7.10 a.m. My man, Curtis Sliwa, looks like we'll talk to Nicole Maliotakis. She may be, well, there may be a showdown coming up between Nicole and Justin Brannon. Oh, my God, she may be here coming up at 7.40. The great one himself, Mark Levin, he'll be here at 8.40. We'll talk to America's mayor, big star on this station, 3 o'clock every weekday afternoon. Our dear friend Rudy Giuliani, his regular Tuesday appearance. And we'll wrap it up with the very, very talented New York Post columnist, Michael Goodwin. He comes our way at 9.30 this morning. The number is always one 800 848 WABC. That's 1-800-848-9222. And to follow me on social media, I do not tweet or X. Spend most of my time on Instagram. Follow me at Rosenberg.Sydney. Not at Sid Rosenberg. At Rosenberg.Sydney. And of course, Sid Rosenberg on Facebook too. Tuesday morning, folks. Tomorrow's my last day of the week. Keep it right here. Sid and Friends in the morning on 77. W-A-B-C. Is sit in friends in the morning. 77 WABC. So she says it's time she goes. But wanted to be sure I know. She hopes we can be friends.
That's a great song. The name of this song is No Myth, and most people don't know this. You can keep it running here, Lewis. This guy happens to be the brother of Sean Penn, the great actor. And Chris. Chris, who uh, passed away. This is Michael Penn, No Myth, on Sid and Friends in the morning. What only as Lou Rufino can do, which is um, one of the many reasons why I've enjoyed this time with Lou more than any other time in my career. And I said that in a big column in Barrett Media last week, and I meant it, was because we started the show with a song, Voices Carry, by Till Tuesday. Awful. Somehow, awful song. Great song. Awful. One of my favorites, actually. We'll play it again coming up at eight o'clock. No. We'll uh, oh back. yeah, we will. Yeah. I will be uh, out on Thursday. That's okay. Somebody so. else will play it. Good. But um, have see, enjoy I, that. As much as I love you, I'll just have somebody else play the song. It's um, <laughs> no problem with but, me. But somehow, Lou has found a way to connect till Tuesday with this artist, Sean Penn's brother, Michael Penn. And how did you do that? What is he? Uh, what ma- is? They're married. They're married. Who's the lead singer for uh, Till Tuesday? That's Amy Mann. Amy Mann? Yeah, she was. Yeah, she sang that song. I didn't know that. Yeah. And they're actually married. And I guarantee you right now, she wants, if she heard, she wants to kill herself. <laughs> you stop she it. Heard that song. You know, uh, I remember one time, Coma wanted to kill herself. She makes good albums, by the way, right now. That's what I'm trying no, to this, say. No, this okay. that was her best work. Okay. But, yeah, I I do re- but, but it's funny you say that because I remember interviewing Steve Martin one time. And I love Steve Martin. One of the great comedic actors of my generation. And my favorite Steve Martin movie by miles is The Jerk. Nothing even close. And if God forbid you bring up The Jerk to Steve Martin, he goes nuts like the Larry Zonka fumble on the Giants. (laughs) He's like, I'll talk about anything in my career. Please do not mention that movie. He's embarrassed by it. He was brilliant. Navin Johnson, are you nuts? I'm picking out a thermos for you, See? not an ordinary thermos for you. Come on. What was the name of the dog? You can't even say it, can you? S-head. I, 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 yeah. <laughs> yeah. And his special purpose, his penis, he was brilliant. But you can't bring it up. So. Well, I'm sure she's embarrassed by that. Yeah, that's I, I don't guess. think so. No, okay. that's her best work. Okay. And if she is, it's the same thing with Steve Martin. They could be embarrassed as much as they want, but that's her best song, and The Jerk is Steve Martin's best movie. And that's the end of it. <laughs> right. uh, any disagreements from you, Noam Layden? No, it's a great movie. It is a great movie. Yeah. That's his best. I'm not arguing the movie. I know that's you're great. arguing uh, Till Tuesday. You hate Till Tuesday. Tuesday. I know. I, I know that. Yeah. Just a dreadful. Don't they have yeah. another hit besides uh, not that I know Voices of. Carry? Well, good luck finding it. <laughs> <laughs> that was it. And I, I do love that song. So yesterday, uh, Bill Bratton, he's not my favorite uh, police commissioner. Greg Kelly is my favorite by also by Miles. And the Bratton, uh, you know, he's, he's fine. You know, Bratton did, did a good job, I guess, but... He's more liberal and in more people's pockets, is what I've heard, allegedly, in this city than you guys want to even know about. He's not as authentic as Ray Kelly. He's not. He got agendas all over town. But he was on with John Katzmatidis and Rita Cosby yesterday, 
and he talked about this very real, not possibility, but probability that we're going to have less than 30,000 cops in this city, which, as I've said time and time again, has three, not one, not two, but three different criminal elements to deal with every day. Your everyday crime, still slashing people on the subway, still robbing people, still mugging people. Then you've got the illegals who do commit crimes, and then you've got this real potential of a terrorist attack. So to have less than 30,000 cops in this city, which is a mess, no matter what Eric Adams tries to tell you, is really horrifying. But here he was yesterday on CNC, former NYPD Commissioner Bill Bratton-Lewis. This is cut number 12. I had 38,000 when I was commissioner the first time. I had 36,000 in 2014 with a lot less crime, 400,000 fewer crimes being committed a year. Uh, This talk of going below 30,000 is insane. This idea of holding up five academy classes you know what that does to a department when you do something like that? That's five academy classes are effectively two and a half years of classes. They put them on about every four to six months. And you lose instructors at the academy. Uh, you lose people who are waiting to get on the job with the waiting list. They leave to go to other departments. That, that, that proposal uh, should be dead on arrival. You don't stop hiring when you're losing huge numbers. He's right about that. So I just got a message from Peter King, who will join us tomorrow. He's got a picture. Outstanding event last night as New York Congressman Mike Lawler and Nick Langworthy were honored at an event hosted by A.J. Katzmatidis, lover, at the Empire Steakhouse in Manhattan. Among those attending was C- uh, 77 WABC radio host Rita Cosby. Mike and Nick are outstanding fighters for New York. Eh, proud to join them. I don't know about that. Outstanding fighters. Nick Langworthy kind of stabbed us in the back when he ran for office and, and just basically shucked all his duties as the top Republican in the state. And uh, Mike Lawler, who I still like, I still like Mike, but I'm not sure I ever really forgave him for taking that picture with Jamal, Jamal Bowman on that airplane. I mean it. I'm not sure I ever really did. He reaches out to me, and he was upset, I guess, and Curtis Sliwa beat him up yesterday. I don't even remember that, but if he did, fine. So I'm going to um, disagree with Peter King that those guys are not the best fighters. They're okay. They're Republicans, and I root for every Republican, but they ain't the best. Anyway, uh, traffic with Joe Nolan, he is the best, is coming up next. Right now it's time for the 77 WABC minicast clip of the day. Get the whole story in under 10 New York minutes. Download and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Actually, I'm happy I wasn't invited last night. And get the max out of mini. <laughs> it's, getting, it's getting worse and worse. Yeah. Uh, today's minicast is, uh, there it is again, Katz and Cosby. And here he is, Congressman Nick Langworthy. I mean, Speaker Johnson's phenomenal. The good thing is we have a good man leading our, our conference now. He stood down. He says, I don't want any parties. I don't want any receptions. We're going to get to work. We'll be back in an hour. We're going to pass a resolution so- showing this body's support for the state of Israel. And then the next week we came back and we not only presented an aid package, $14 billion to support Israel, but we showed a way to pay for it. We took it out of Joe Biden's army of IRS agents, the 87,000 IRS agents that uh, that he, he shoved into the budget last year. 
and uh, we we eliminated those as a way to pay for this. That is now sitting at the Senate. Guess what? Crickets. Oi. This is Sit in Friends in the Morning. Seventy-seven WABC. Usually Miranda Devine gets this one. This is, I believe, Lewis the Church out of Australia. Is that right? C. Oh, it's a good song. 649 on your Tuesday morning. Don't forget, folks, I'm here today, and we got a great, great show. Curtis Sliwa, Bruce Blakeman, Rudy Giuliani, Michael Goodwin, and the great one himself, Mark Levin, all showing up today. I'll be back again tomorrow. Bill O'Reilly, usually on Thursdays, kind enough to hop on tomorrow. Peter King as well. So two great shows, and then I'm out again. I will not be here Thursday or Friday. And I say that with zero remorse. I mean, zero. I'm tired, and uh, I need some time off. So I uh, I give you, um, to be quite frank, more than you deserve. All of you. So I'm going to take off Thursday and Friday, the whole week of Christmas, go up to uh, Crystal Springs up there in Jersey and throw some axes. But then it'll be all good for uh, 2024. Big 2024 ahead. My good buddy Donald Trump, who was set to join us sometime over the next two weeks, going to be a big year for Donald. You know, I just saw something that uh, one of these uh, BLM leaders, no, I'm not sure if you saw this, but one of these BLM leaders, this filthy lowlife, whoever he is, former Democrat, is actually endorsing Donald Trump. Did you see that? No, I didn't see that. Yeah, it's on Fox News. Do you want that endorsement? Well, don't forget, years ago, David Duke endorsed him, and then people called him a Nazi, even right. though his, his kids are Orthodox Jews. How stupid is that? So I'm not sure if he wants it, but it's out there. Hmm. Yeah. Anyway, my next guest uh, made her bones. I guess, maybe it's not fair to say this. She'll correct me if I'm wrong. On the Howard Stern Show, she's making her second appearance on the new king of all media, me, sitting friends in the morning. She's a very talented lady and a very interesting lady, Debbie Schlussel. Debbie, happy holidays. How are you? Thank you. Hanukkah coming up. Happy Hanukkah for next week. Doing yeah, great. Yeah, it is uh, coming up December the 8th, and I was looking at my December schedule, which is packed. I mean, way too much going on, but one of the nights that I really love is my owner and boss here, Debbie John Katsimatidis, who's Greek but is a dear, dear friend of the Jewish people, loves the Jewish people. Every year he bestows him and Rabbi Butman this amazing honor on me, which is I get to light the largest menorah in the world, right outside the Plaza Hotel on Fifth Avenue. I think I light it night five this year, 
December the 13th. So how about that for a Hanukkah honor? Huh? Big one, right? That is awesome. And I think that's Chabad, right? They yes. always have the menorah. Yes, that is exactly right. So you are uh, clearly, Debbie, for folks that may not know you, uh, very, very Jewish. Uh, I hear Yiddish kite. <laughs> yes? Well, I I am a religious Jew, yes. I am observant. I'm, I would consider myself modern Orthodox, and yes. Well, then how are you on the Howard Stern Show talking about conolingus and orgasms? Well, I never talked about any of that. So I did not make my bones on there. I actually had been on a lot of shows before I was on Howard Stern. I was on, you know, I had been on Fox News, CNN, um, and a lot of others. But it definitely raised my profile because all of those people that program for all of those channels that I mentioned, they all listen to that show. Um, I actually called, I, I was a, an agent for an Olympic athlete. And I got him on the Howard Stern Show. That's what he wanted more than all the endorsements I got him more than anything. And I saved the number. And on 9-11, I called in. And that's how I got my start on that show. But I actually stopped going on that show. I never answered any of those questions that Howard asked. And he actually was very respectful of me at the beginning. But then it got to be bad and I stopped appearing on that show. So is that because is that because you're a religious person, or you just didn't like the line of questioning? I didn't like the way it turned into things that had nothing to do with being religious. Although my dad kept telling me don't go on there. <laughs> yeah. um, but also at that time, Howard was a libertarian, and he actually shared a lot of our points of view. But he became this crazy radical liberal. Um, and, you know, he still says some of the right things, for example, on Israel, but it doesn't matter because he's shilling for the people that are not supporters of Israel who are, and who are against Israel, who, which is Democrats and the far left. And, I, you know, I actually have been gratified that some of the Democrats have actually returned to the tradition where there were pro-Israel Democrats as of late, at least in voting in Congress when it came to Rashida Tlaib and so on. But as we've seen, the vast majority are still very anti-Israel and very far left on on that issue and just wrong on so many others. You know, I've seen Howard and um, I know him a little, more than a little. Uh, I was on his show a bunch of times and certainly we're aware of each other, but I've seen him on MSNBC, which I believe is... The worst station, uh, not just because they're liberal, they're just liars. I've seen them on that uh, station quite a bit. Joe and Mika tend to celebrate their anniversaries with Howard. And uh, yesterday, Joe Scarborough went on this rant, if you will, that um, what people are not talking about is the amazing job that Joe Biden is doing behind the scenes. Now, Debbie, let me tell you quickly, I actually blame Joe Biden for these attacks. I think he's complicit. When you're in bed with Iran, loosening restrictions, giving them billions and billions of dollars, making sure they can enrich themselves to actually give money to Hezbollah and Hamas, you're part of the problem, not the solution. I don't care what he said the last eight weeks. The truth is he actually funded this war. But Joe Scarborough said yesterday that not enough folks are talking about the great job that Joe Biden is doing. Clearly, I disagree. How do you feel about that? I agree with you. And it's not just Joe Biden. It's Obama sending those pellets of cash. Um, you know, one of my friends is Kevin Hermaning, who was the youngest hostage in Iran. 
from 1979 to 1981. He was a Marine guard who, on his day off, went into the embassy to prepare for his guarding the embassy the next day. And he was, even though, you know, he benefited from the deal because Iran paid them all millions, he was against that deal where Iran got, you know, pallets of American cash. And Joe Biden continued in the tradition. And he absolutely helped fund these attacks. And he helped Iran with the the Houthis, who also attacked Israel, and with um, Hezbollah, who also attacks Israel, and so on. They're all funded by Iran. They're all coordinated by Iran. And he absolutely has blood on his hands for that, for sure. And I tweeted that, you know, on uh, on October 8th, after the Jewish holiday was over, because we were at synagogue and we were all told by the rabbi about what happened. You know, we were off the grid and we learned what happened. Um, And the fact is that he does he it should take responsibility. Also, Joe Biden is doing great work um, uh, in public. But behind the scenes, he actually was pressuring Israel to stop the um, its war to defeat Hamas. Still is. And he is the one pressuring Israel to continue the ceasefire. That's right. Ceasefires and pauses and. All coming from Biden. So I, I assume, Debbie, that uh, you live in New York. I, I was uh, talking about bestowed honors. Detroit. Uh, you, where are you? I'm in Detroit. You're in Detroit. I didn't know that. So let me ask you this. Now that you brought that up, there was a story a couple of weeks ago about a, a lovely young Jewish lady who I guess owned or ran a temple just outside Detroit. And she walked out one day and was stabbed about 30 times. Now, what I've heard here is that it was not a, a religious attack, and nothing to do with her being Jewish. It was a domestic attack. Did they ever come to the conclusion with that? So they they have a person of interest, and apparently it's somebody who knows her. But let me just tell you, she was the president of this synagogue that that that's, she's very far was very far left. I actually knew her. I met her years ago when she continued to pretend to to represent me on the Jewish Community Relations Council and other Jews, and she constantly voted against condemning anti-Semitism. She was very far left. She was very tight with Rashida Tlaib. She had a group that was a whole bunch of extremist Muslims that support Hamas and other groups, and she uh, legitimized them. So she was not a good person. She was beatified as some proud Jew who was a victim of anti-Semitism. She was not. This had nothing to do with being Jewish. It had. It just it was a coincidence, the timing. She had attended a wedding that night, and apparently it was one of her friends or somebody she went to the wedding with, something like that. It has nothing to do with anti-Semitism. She herself, I considered to be anti-Semitic. And like I said, she was part of this Politburo, this Jewish Community Relations Council, was not elected by me or any other Jews, and they consistently voted against condemning anti-Semitism. They consistently partnered with the Jew-hating, anti-Semitic, pro-Hamas forces in the Detroit area. So that needs to get out there. Well, it just did. Great job by you, Debbie Schlussel, kicking ass on this Tuesday morning here in the final uh, minute or two. Her name was Samantha Wall, by the way. That's right, Samantha Wall. So um, I know that you did, on the Stern Show, you did um, movie critiques. And 
though the one time you were on with me was right about the time that uh, the the mob drama I'm in, five of the nine episodes on Amazon Prime, Gravesend, and the movie I made, uh, I was in it, I should say, which was the two-story about the Gemini Lounge in Brooklyn titled Inside Man with Danny A. Both came out. Now, I- I'm going to... I'm going to guess you haven't seen either one of them. That's fine. I would hope you would at some point. But if you have, great. If not, give me some movies uh, for the holiday season that folks should be looking to go out and see. Sid, I was trying to get screeners for those before they came out. And you know what? I will watch them. I'm not on Amazon Prime, but I will get on so I can see those for the next time I'm on. I, I would you. tell you this. There are a few good movies. One of them is called The Holdovers. This is like Dead Poets Society. It stars Paul Giamatti. It takes place in 1970. And it's a, a really classic movie that's not very political or, you know, at all. I don't like that in movies where it's gratuitously uh, in, inserted. It's got the style of the 70s. I very much enjoyed it. The Holdovers. It's one of the best movies of the year. I liked The Killer, which is kind of a, a, a biopic of how to be a killer. You know, it's what The Life of an Assassin starring Michael Fassbender, and it's on Netflix. I enjoyed that. Um, it didn't get a lot of hyper publicity. They didn't even have screeners for it, um, but it was good. Um, and there's a really weird movie coming out this week with Nicolas Cage called Dream Scenario. It's kind of like a Twilight Zone um, that goes very far, where this nerdy guy, Nicolas Cage, um, suddenly learns that he's in the dreams of millions of strangers. Mm. And it's very weird. It's very mm. interesting. Yeah. Well, I've got that problem, too. Trust me. Uh, by the <laughs> way, <laughs> yeah, you are a terrific guest. I, I really had no idea, Debbie, that you were religious. And I spend uh, the majority of my shows and my days these days you know, of course, uh, very pro-Israel and showing up everywhere I can. And all of my speeches these days are all about that. So I want to get you back a lot more often. Thank you for hopping on this morning. You were terrific. Be safe. Happy Hanukkah. Thank you. Anytime. Happy Hanukkah and Merry Christmas to all the others. All the Goyim. You can say it. Debbie Schlussel, what a terrific job. She's going to be back. Debbie Schlussel, live from Detroit, Michigan, early on this Tuesday morning. Debbie, thank you very much. That sets up three hours of great radio about to come your way, which includes Curtis Sliwa, Bruce Blakeman, Michael Goodwin, Rudy Giuliani, and the great one himself, Mark Levin. Tuesday morning, right here on Sid and Friends in the Morning, exclusively on Talk Radio 77 WABC. When you need 
need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This is Sid and Friends in the Morning. What you say? Be just a friend. Oh, you're my best friend. 77 WABC. Oi. My message was simple. Uh, we are unequivocal. Uh, violence, hate, and disorder have no place in our schools. Anti-Semitism, Islamophobia, and all forms of bigotry Uh-oh. are simply unacceptable. This guy is such a jerk-off. He hurts my feelings every time he talks. School Chancellor David Banks, who, as I said about an hour ago, should be fired. But he won't be fired. You know, if I hear one more public official, and this also comes from the White House, Biden, Kamala Harris, they all say it. But here in New York, specifically the mayor and Banks, if I hear one more person mention Islamophobia, I'm going to hunt them down myself. Myself, I should say. I know I see thousands and thousands and thousands of hateful Palestinians, New Yorkers, walking the streets almost daily now, threatening the lives of the Jews. So there's no question anti-Semitism is alive and well. Could somebody please, Eric, Mr. Mayor Banks, you putz, somebody please show me the Islamophobia that exists, because I don't see it. In fact... You people bend over backwards to make life easier for the haters. Eric Adams said yesterday, there's no tolerance for this. We're not going to take it. Oh, really? What are you doing about it? I saw three kids being interviewed on New York One this morning, all wearing that stupid headgear, whatever it's called. What is it called, Curtis? The kafia around kafir. their show, then right. the shmata on there. Every head. one of them. Not Jewish kids. Kafirs, schmatas, all of a sudden, I lived here my whole life outside of 16 years in Florida. All of a sudden, it's like I'm living in Gaza. Stop with Islamophobia. It doesn't exist. Maybe it should. I'm not taking that back because I'm sick of one side getting their asses kicked, not just by people in the street, but by politicians. What in God's name is Islamophobia? Some cab driver got beat up in 2001 after 9-11. I've seen zero evidence of that now, despite, despite one side committing all these heinous acts. One side. With that said, here he is. If you think I'm tough on Adams and Banks. Big ratings, noon to one every weekday afternoon. Does a tremendous job weekends on the overnights, but does his best work. With me right here at this time, every weekday morning, the legend, the icon, Mr. Guardian Angel, Curtis Sliwa. What is he talking about, Curtis? I'm in the butcher shop with you, Sid, and, you know, there's prime meat and there's choice meat. You get only the prime meat because you're the number one show in the morning across the nation. I sent to you early this morning a picture of Mayor Eric Adams in the midst of every crisis imaginable. The illegal aliens, high crime, flight from the city. Uh, Fortune 500 companies saying, we're out of here. 
This goofball is standing down by Bowling Green saw this. wearing this dumb hat on his head, making this hand gesture, laughing at the camera, and you're saying, what a screwball. It's <laughs> at 3 o'clock in the afternoon uh, with uh, every imaginable crisis. This guy basically might as well have been w- waving the white flag and giving up. I saw the picture, and uh, what country was that yesterday? Albania. Yeah, I like the Albanians, don't get me wrong. They will F you up worse than the Italians. But, yeah, I, I listen, I, uh, tonight is my um, my monthly dinner. You know I do these dinners every month with Keith Kantrowitz. I love Keith, Power Express Mortgage, and Anthony Carone. I love Anthony and Paul Carlucci, and Simone is a host of us. You know, Mike Kemper shows up once in a while. And a lot of these guys are friends with the mayor, too. They are. But I, I make it very, very clear to them that I just, he's lost me. He has completely 1000% lost me. I've gone back and forth. This is not an attack on his character. He's not a bad person. But as a politician, I have no idea who he is or what he stands for. He can one day be on a stage at Gracie Mansion during Jewish Heritage Month telling me how much he loves the Jews and the next day taking money, allegedly, from Erdogan in Turkey who hates the Jews more than anybody. I just don't know who this guy is. Well, I'll tell you what. Look how long you've come, King David, the new King David. There was that moment you were over at the 2nd Avenue Deli, which is really the 1st Avenue Deli. Yeah. That was Fig- a Kantrowitz yeah, figure uh, that production, one out. too. Yeah, yeah. That, that was like, yeah, Zionists, we're, we're, we're fighting back against all these Islamic haters of us uh, by having tongue sandwiches. Yeah, that was a real stand <laughs> for the Jews. And you have come so far because I extricated you from that, sitting down at the 2nd Avenue Deli, by the way, which is on 1st Avenue. And we were out in the rain outside of Cooper Union where Jewish kids were in the library trapped where the Palestinian horde, the pro-Hamas mob was outside banging on the door. Let us in. Let us in. You, I, Danielle, and others in the rain, the pouring rain speaking out against that. And it's gotten worse, not better. Look at Hillcrest High School. Yes. Hillcrest High School. Now. This happened back on Monday and Tuesday, two days in a row. Hey, you, Gnome Laden, what did they do, brain surgery on you? (laughs) You referred to it as a brawl? This was an anti-Semitic riot for two days. I hate to say it, but, Curtis, you've, um, you've described it better. It was not a brawl. It was a hateful, scary, in fact, terrifying anti-Semitic Attack on this lady, and given the opportunity yesterday to fix it, David Banks mentions Islamophobia. Are you nuts? He graduated from Hillcrest. He didn't want it mentioned what happened on Monday and Tuesday. The story, thank God, it came out in the Post on Thursday. Or we might never have known about it. He sat on it. It was not a brawl. It was an anti-Semitic riot for two days here. We're looking for this Jewish teacher who had to be hidden in a closet. They wanted to take that teacher and beat her to a pulp. They actually did uh, administer death threats. She's not to be moved now, but here's the good news. There is some good news here. What's that? The teachers' union, led by fine folks like Michael Mulgrew, and maybe the worst person God ever created, she's at the very top of the list, Randy Weingarten, it seems like they're going to come to this teacher's rescue. 
You think so? No. Think again. <laughs> All right. You get to make up for this, Gnome Lady. Are you listening, Gnome? Are you listening? Please, please listen. Gnome, I, hop on the mic here, Gnome. Gnome's impaired. He had brain surgery, so, you, you know, he, he does have some nasty growth <laughs> on the top of his okay. head. Now, <laughs> you would think the UFT comprised mostly of active Jewish teachers and retired Jewish teachers would have been outside of that school that Monday in defense of that Jewish teacher, a UFT teacher, Michael Mogrew said nothing. He was afraid, hiding in his mansion in Staten Island. In fact, even of late, he has said nothing. And you know why? No, follow up on this. He's got a problem in his own union. It's a subsidiary. Hey, Mike, I know the deal. I met with them last night. The movement of rank-and-file educators... The UFT subsidiary rallies with the pro-Hamas socialist groups. They meet outside of Bryant Park Library. They were part of the group that desecrated the New York Public Library with all that graffiti on the only part that had a Jewish name on it. It was dedicated by Schwarzman, a Jew, and they desecrated that. And he will not condemn what happened to that Jewish teacher because he's afraid of the movement of rank-and-file educators. Uh, Noam, you have homework today to make up for that uh, that mischaracterization of yours that will attribute to your brain surgery, that it was a brawl when it was an anti-Semitic riot. Get the statement of the movement of rank-and-file educators and get the statement of Michael Mogul defending the Jewish teacher, which he's afraid to do, and I'll tell you why. I love this. 1968, Albert Schenker was UFT chairman. He had gone to jail twice before for the teachers on strike. They loved him. He was a socialist. He grew up a socialist. He was there fighting for blacks to be able to sit at the luncheon uh, counter, uh, not to have to ride in the back of the bus. He went down south, you know, when blacks and Jews were together in solidarity. And then all of a sudden in Ocean Hill, Brownsville, the Ford Foundation, which was the George Soros of the time, the richest philanthropy said, there should not be white teachers or Jewish teachers in black schools. And so there was a move to kick all the white and Jewish teachers out of Brownsville, where many of them have grown up. And Albert Schenker said, hell no, that's anti-Semitism. You ain't going to do that. And he was branded a racist. So now when you look up Albert Schenker... At the end of an illustrious career, it says Albert Schenker racist because he stood up for the Jewish teachers, the white teachers who got kicked out of the Ocean Brownsville schools, unlike you, Michael Mogul, who are hiding in your mansion in Staten Island saying, oh, what am I going to do? I don't want to be called a racist. Let me ask you a uh, serious question, Curtis. Have you ever in your life had sex with a man? Hell no. Well, you're about to. Because that win just now has me so aroused, I can't begin to tell you. And I'm glad you actually pointed out on a serious note, uh, Mr. Shaker, and what a great man he was. Albert Shanker. And, uh, Shanker. And what how are your he was peeps? One of my people. Uh, Mulgrew, don't forget, folks, even before this episode, he, along with the whole teachers' union, destroyed, and I mean destroyed, thousands and thousands of our children. What they did during covid the teachers' union, led by people like Weingarten and Mulgrew, can never be fixed. So now you've got two different real calamities on hand. Oh. Clearly, Mulgrew oh. not, not sticking up for the Jews and what they did during the whole First COVID off, mess. If we're going to have sex, let me be very clear. I'm yeah. the pitcher, you're the catcher. 
I'm the pitcher, well, you're the catcher. You've actually come pretty far. Yeah, yeah because absolutely. Just the thought of it actually used to make you nauseous. I got the petro gel. <laughs> I'm the pitcher, you're the catcher. No, but it is, it is great that you have all this knowledge about uh, all this. Wait, this yep. is the Something biggest. else? You said yesterday, you, yeah. it was a throwout line. Yeah. Al Slim Shady Sharpton, remember? What about him? 1972. Yeah. He was in Tilden High School, the very high school that my mother had gone to on King's Highway, where many of the Jews had gone. I was at Brooklyn Prep, as Peter King always reminds yeah. you, only to get kicked to the curb. You know, I made uh, one very, very famous tackle. When I played football for Phil Foglietta. Oh, yes. The, the pedophile. Correct. Joe Namath, the Hero buddy. of Arthur Idala and Joe Takapina. Yes. At Poly Prep, we were playing Tilden, and there's a running back by the name of Owen Gill, who went on to become an All-American running back. Iowa, Iowa. right? Very good. See, I know it. Played for the Dallas Willie Cowboys. Tilden High School. Yeah, I, I actually, I crushed him. He actually laid motionless on the turf. That's the good news. The what bad news is you. No, it took me longer to get up than him. Oh, okay. <laughs> oh, you had asthma. That's why. <laughs> yeah, that's why. Okay. Uh, so, okay. So, Al Sharpton, who I did, I had a friend who actually was boasting on their Instagram page. Was he a Jew? Yes. Okay. Now, let me H- tell you. Handing out turkeys oh, yeah, yeah. for the National Action let Network. Me... I go, are you nuts? 1972. He's the student government president. The school, 80% Jewish, liberal, progressive, socialist. They wanted to show that they, 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 they believed in civil rights. So they elected Al Slim Shady Sharpton, who was from the Stone Avenue Projects, Brownsville, never ran, never will, like Willie Randolph. He goes to the principal, naturally Jewish principal. We need to have a scholarship fund in the name of Martin Luther King Jr., who had been assassinated. Jewish principal says, great, let me run it by the PTA, mostly Jewish out the Chaka mothers. They say, great, we'll go out, we'll sell raffles, chances, we'll raise the money for the scholarship fund, but we need a grand prize. So Al Slim Shady Sharpton says, great, 13-inch RCA color TV Victrola, you know, where you can play the records in it, too, with the console, will be the first prize. So Shlomo and his parents living in a two, two-floor walk-up there, right next to Brookdale Hospital, where all the Jews live back then. They go out, they sell more chances than anybody else. They have the ceremony in the assembly of Tilden High School. Uh, their first prize winners, they schlepped the TV back, they opened it up, and it's gutted out. There are bricks in the guts. There's no inside to the TV. Sharpton has pocketed the money. So naturally, they go to the principal. Look, this is, this is a, a, a placebo TV. We got ripped off. Uh, they bring Sharpton in. He goes, well, what do you know? It's that Jew who sold this to me oh, on Pitkin Avenue. Of course. So they said, no, 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 you can't blame it on him. Come on, there's something wrong here. He said, oh, you don't believe me? The first time he ever said, no justice, no peace. All the black students were out in the street. The next day there was a riot there. John Jelly Belly Lindsay came. On the third day he made the peace. He said, it's not a riot. It's just a disturbance. And the city, through discretionary funds, bought a new TV for the Jewish family. And that's when Al Slim Shady Sharpton, you tell your Jewish friend, he should impale himself over the menorah, made his bones, and he realized he could get over on those white crackers, those white suckers, and those white Jews. Because, man, he realized then, as a senior at Tilden High School, he could be king of the world. And he has been. I mean, there he is every now, did morning. Did you ever hear that story? No, I never heard that story. Yeah, because I bring prime yes, meat. Yes, you do. Big slices this to the Sid This is Rosenberg why show. you're on every weekday morning. I say this all the time. I've done interviews. Why do you think your show has gone to new heights? And I do say... 
Curtis Sliwa. Let me let me tell you one other bad thing. Right, what's the matter with uh, We got to come together. What happened now? For Mike Lawler, for Nicole Maliotakis, and all the Republicans. You know, it's funny you mentioned Mike Lawler. Hey, hey, Ella, come in here and shut these blinds. God damn it. I told you twice already. I'll tell you why. Well, I, I let, me, let me talk about Lawler yeah. for a second, because last night Peter King went to some event at the Empire Steakhouse. Well, A.J. Katsimatidis, love her. And uh, they honored, I guess, Lawler and Nick Langworthy. And I'm not really high on either one of those guys. Nick, you know, bailed out on us to run for Congress. He won, God bless him. Not a bad guy, but he kind of bailed out on the Republican Party. And uh, Lawler, I still have not 100% forgiven him for the smiling selfie with Jamal Bowman. I'm sorry, I just haven't. And then remember, when you question me, say, well, the next time I won't smile. Why? Well, right. Good. But I met with moderate Democrats. Yeah. They are rejoining the lines. They are going to uh, draw out Lola to make it a pro-Jamal Bowman district. What? They're coming after Nicole Maliotakis. You know vengeance. They want to be able to create a congressional district for that fiend of all fiends, Justin Brannon. Scumbag. Who stood with the Palestinians on Fifth Avenue and not with your peeps. So we got to rally around the flag. I'm going to put aside, as I did before, oh, with me Joe too, Barelli, yeah, me too. I'm good. all my differences. These people were of great influence in the Democratic Party. They are going to redraw the lines, and it appears there's nothing the Republicans can do to stop it. We got to we gotta rally the troops. We got to circle the wagons, especially for Nicole Maliotakis, to fend off that fiend of all fiends, Justin Brannon. And yes... Even though I've had my differences with Mike Lawler, we cannot allow no. Jamal Bowman no. to take out Mike Lawler. I'm in. Mike Lawler's my guy. That's it. That's it. I have seen the future. It ain't good. We got to save our state. We got to save our city. And we got to save America, this country that we love. And we can't wait for anybody else to do it, Sid. You're number one in the morning. I'm number one in the afternoon on the Rip and Read. And I'll be on with O'Reilly tonight. That'll make the Troika, the Trinity, the Trifecta, Rosenberg, Sliwa, O'Reilly will save America, New York State, and New York City. They want to get mad. And informative. This is Sit in Friends in the Morning. 77 WABC.
The late, great Penny Loggins, of course, this song, movie Caddyshack. What a great movie that was. My God, think about that cast. Ted Knight, Bill Murray, Chevy Chase, and, of course, uh, the king of comedy to this day, I believe, the greatest ever. At least right there with guys like Richard Pryor and Lenny Bruce and Eddie, I guess. Rodney Dangerfield, what a great movie. Caddyshack. You know, Bill O'Reilly will join me tomorrow. He's usually on Thursdays, but uh, as you folks know, for the second consecutive week, I will not be working this Thursday and Friday. So tomorrow's my last day of the week, and Bill is uh, kind enough to join me tomorrow. And he just did such a great morning message. You write about all of it. Respect is gone and punctuality, and I'm also sick of the tattoos and the piercings and different color hair and all this nonsense. Well, let people express themselves, okay? Let them do it. They look crappy. Maybe they feel better. I doubt they do. I doubt they do. But what really struck me was the last thing he said was sneakers were meant for the play field, not the boardroom. It gets worse. Every Saturday I put ESPN on to watch these stupid shows about college football, which are stupid, but I enjoy them. I like them. What can I tell you? And they all dress the same. They wear relatively expensive suits with sneakers. Adam Schefter on the NFL side, all the college guys, stupid. Then I went to a uh, a wedding years ago in Montauk. Lovely affair, lovely. And the groom and all the groomsmen were wearing expensive suits, maybe even tuxedos, and sneakers. Stupid. Depends, Just stupid. Depends on the sneakers, maybe. No. 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 Uh, black Pumas, no. No. Really? Okay. Stupid. Yeah. Bill yeah. O'Reilly's right. Wear your sneakers to the gym, to the playground, not in the boardroom, not on television, certainly not walking down the aisle. But that's the way it is today. They, they, you know, they just they don't know what else to do to spit in the face of tradition. Because as far as they're concerned, tradition needs to be broken. As far as I'm concerned, this country was much better off decades ago. Well, there were issues. No question there were issues. Same issues today. We didn't make racism go away because every commercial has a black person in it. It's worse. It's worse. You know, women, no question, need more women in the workforce, 100%. I'm the first to say that. My wife is brilliant. So it wasn't perfect. I get it. It was better, though. It was not different. It was better. I don't know what the values are today. I have no idea what they are. Well, it was easier, probably, because I think that's what leads to when you say better, because you can argue, as much as it's great, the Internet has changed the world complete 180. Oh, no question. Because y- the exchange of ideas now lends, oh, I see what that kid's wearing. Yeah. I see. Yeah. Before, let's say the 70s and the 80s, you just went on what was around you and what you saw. That's true. And your parents well, you're and right. your friends. Right. So I, I Social a media is, is a disaster. It's hurt yeah. in that way. Now, i got to use it because I'm a radio host, and certainly the more followers I have, the better it is for this program. And I've even gotten advertisers. I mean, there's a lot of folks out there that are, I guess, what do they call them? 
the um, folks on social media, they make a, a lot more money than I make. A oh, lot more money. Those, oh, influencers. influencers. Right. <laughs> so I have to do it. So I take this uh, silly-looking selfie every now and then, or I have a guest in studio like Lizzie yesterday, and I have to do that. I have to. Yeah, that's the way today is. You have course. to do it. Yes. Right. But, right. But, but, but a lot of it is grotesque. Not what we do, but it's just grotesque. Because it's... There's no limit. It's no. open to everybody. So anybody can do what they want to do. And it shares of course. all over the world. And yep. then you add the phones to it. Oh, and my you God. could do it. You could be anywhere and see somebody doing something ridiculous. What do you think all those trends are of taking pictures next to a cliff and people have fallen off? Oh, my. Oh, the subway it's, stuff? Yeah, subway. You could just you can go on and on yeah. and on. Now, they're, they're instruments, just like stuff we used to have probably when we were kids. Not to this extreme. No. But you didn't. But you, no. you have to know it, it has revealed the stupidity of people. Yeah, there's no question. There's, it's completely revealed. Listen, I, I thought it was a stupid. big deal when the Mattel and television made that football game. They were red dots. Yeah. <laughs> now now they got these uh, football video games. I swear to God, the guys are playing in your living room. It's unbelievable the um, what we've done with technology. But uh, like you said, Lewis, it certainly comes at a cost. Just, it, it has to. I mean, what is the biggest difference in our lifetime? Is the internet and the phones. That is fair to cannot, say. Fair to say. Cannot argue that. Yeah. Dolph Hikind is on his way to Israel. He had a very impassioned speech about Elon Musk yesterday. So before we get to just a boatload of great guests, which includes Michael Goodwin, Rudy Giuliani, the great one himself, Mark Levin, we're going to talk to Dove Hikind. Coming up next. Sit in friends in the morning. 77 WABC. What's more important to you? Getting the hostages home or wiping out Hamas? The Jewish people value life. It says to save one life is to save the entire world. They're prisoners. I don't care how old they are. It doesn't mean that you're not a terrorist just because you're under the age of 18. I've seen that video of 12, 13-year-old boys stabbing Israelis. These are terrorists. That's what they are. Um, and I, I struggle with this question. I am a mother, and I am somebody who values life. I don't want to ever see anyone suffer. I don't know if I would be able to live with myself mm. if I said that our primary goal isn't getting the hostages out. Right, I, but, but, but these are all of our children, and I see every – I believe yes. that. I'm not, I'm not just blowing smoke. I, I see every child that is a hostage right now – as my child. Okay, and good. I see every yeah. I see every Jew in Israel who is fighting this fight or suffering from this fight as my sibling. I would go to the ends of the earth to do anything I can for their safety. And it's not a rational answer. I wish that I could give you the rational no, answer that, that, no. that Hamas that Hamas needs to be dealt with first and foremost. But I I would not be able to live with myself as as a human being. Lizzie Savetsky live in studio yesterday. Lizzie, big Jewish activist, her husband, Dr. Ira Savetsky, one of the uh, most accomplished plastic surgeons in the country here in New York. They're a big-time power couple. They were in Israel back on October the 7th, and a lot of people got very uncomfortable. I took some abuse because of that question, but I don't care. The reason why it was, um, I guess I was treated that way, was because it made you uncomfortable. And just imagine if you're Netanyahu, 
And you've got to deal with that. What's more important, wiping out the enemy or getting our people home? Because it can't always be mutually exclusive. It just can't be. There are people who I'm telling you are upset now that there's two more days where they're giving Hamas a chance to regroup and get more weapons and put people in place. And, of course, they value the lives. Of course. You can love people, value life, but this is war. So I liked her answer. I would answer it the same way, but I don't believe it's a question that can't be asked. But let me ask a guy on his way to Israel, who I call the king of all Jews, my dear friend Dove Heikend, that question I asked of Savetsky, what's more important, getting the hostages back or wiping out Hamas, is that an unfair question, in your opinion? No, it's not unfair at all. It's something that people are discussing, uh, people are debating, and uh, it is a very tough thing. But uh, let's just remember one thing, that uh, when Shalit, one Israeli soldier, was released um, a number of years ago, uh, 1,000 terrorists were released from Israeli jails. Many of those terrorists have been busy murdering Jews since they got out of prison. The leader of Hamas right now, Sinwar, got out of prison. He planned October 7th. So, yes. We want to get the hostages back, and that is incredibly important. But who's going to be the next victim of criminals that are being released, terrorists that are being released right now? Uh, So, uh, you know, these are youngsters, but youngsters with knives, youngsters with guns who murdered Jews. So we need to remember that, and there is a fine line. Uh, This cannot continue much longer. Israel needs to finish the job. They were on the way to doing that. Things were going quite well. Well, well. Dov, Dov, to your point, that's exactly why the Palestinians, Hamas, did this. In other words, if Israel never attacked them, they would never offer up these hostages. But to put it nicely, they were getting their effing asses kicked. And they're like, this needs to stop. We'll give you back some of your people. Just stop killing us. We need to go back to that. You're absolutely correct. And and all the commentators are basically saying, uh, not just people on the right, center, everyone recognizes the longer this goes on, this is exactly what Hamas wants. This is exactly what they were planning. They took those hostages. They're going to play this game for, for, you, for the next year, for God's sake. So there reaches a time. And again, uh, someone could say to me, uh, Sid, if it was your son. If it was your grandchild, and I would say, you know, the honest thing, it was my kid, of course, you know, hostages are the most important. But that's why there are leaders of countries. They have the responsibility for all the people. And I don't want someone in my family to be the victim of a terrorist that was released from jail. So Israel needs to finish the job. They need to do what they said they were going to do, and I believe they will. Yeah, I mean, that becomes the point. Do you risk the lives of thousands and the freedom of a country for 200-plus? And it's kind of silly when they go, what if it was your kid? Well, of course, if it was my kid, I'd feel differently. But when you're a leader, like you said, whether you're Trump in the United States or Netanyahu, you cannot make those decisions based on personal stuff. you got to find a way to way, um, to be a yeah. leader, to be a leader. By the way, that's exactly the point. If, if, if you're asked if it was your kid, that's an unfair question, okay? Of course. You can ask it, but that's unfair because, of course, if it's my kid, 
But that's why you get elected prime minister. That's why you get the extra bucks. That's why you have that extra responsibility to do what's good for your country, period. Do you know that I got a, uh, first of all, this is uh, my dear friend Dove Hyken, king of all Jews, that I got a WhatsApp message from Rabbi Bloomstein on Sunday during the Giants game thanking me and Danielle for coming out there. What a one Thanking me. By the way, I, I had to thank him and you for that unbelievable Shabbos in Woodmere a couple of weeks ago, but such a good man that he actually sent me a message thanking me, Dove, on Sunday. Because he really felt that way. You know, uh, you know he, everyone felt like this was so special. The, the calls I still get, uh, uh, Sid, from places that I go and people know that you were, uh, you know, with us in the community, it was something that we felt that it was our honor to have you in the community because of what you do and what you stand for. And, uh, you know, it's not just about uh, saying you're for Israel and you care about Israel. Everybody sees your heart and soul. They, they, it's right there. You know, you can't hide it. That's who you are. You love the Jewish people. You love this country. And uh, you're out there fighting the fight. I am. And uh, so are you. In fact, uh, you more than me, uh, you are actually going back to Israel with your lovely wife, Shani, tonight. Is that right? That's right. Uh, to volunteer, to do whatever we can. And we also have uh, some barbecues uh, planned with Israeli soldiers in your honor, Sid, you're responsible for that. So I'll be reporting back to you. But we're going to be dancing and 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 just I'm going to be flipping burgers. I love and, it. Uh, and 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 steak for these uh, for these courageous soldiers who put their life on the line every single day. Yes, a mutual friend of ours, Judah Honigman. And by the way, I met Judah Honigman's parents in shul with you that Saturday morning. What a lovely couple. He uh, he throws these barbecues, and he actually was the gentleman that sent me all those videos, which you can still watch on my Instagram account, at Rosenberg.Sydney, from these Israeli soldiers that were thanking me for being so pro-Israel back in the United States. So it'll be you and Honigman. That's a big deal. But I do want to get to what I played earlier this morning, Dove, and that was you yesterday. You did something on X, on Twitter and Instagram, where you talked about Elon Musk. Now, Musk, in some hot water last week, liked a couple of posts, I guess, that were considered anti-Semitic. There were advertisements on X, anti-Semitic. But as you said, here's a guy that was invited and spent the day with the biggest leaders in Israel at the kibbutz that saw the most crime, the most violence on October the 7th. How can you possibly deem Elon Musk anti-Semitic. Look, uh, of course, uh, by the way, that's the same place that uh, uh, I was on your radio show that time, and uh, I saw the things that I saw. That's where he was. And, 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 and I remind everybody that you, being the toughest guy that I know, and I mean that, that morning actually started to cry on the radio. It was a beautiful moment. It really was. Yeah, well, you couldn't not cry after what I saw. Everyone would cry, believe me. Uh, but, yeah, Musk is no anti-Semite. That is so preposterous, so ridiculous. Look, he makes he says things that get him in trouble, not just about, you know, uh, you know, in terms of the Jewish community, but even about other things that, uh, you know, he shouldn't say. And, and he acknowledges that. But look, we've got enough problems with anti-Semites. And, you know, and I can smell an anti-Semite from miles away. And the last thing I would call, you know, uh, uh, I mean, it's so ridiculous. It's so preposterous. Musk is a guy 
who loves the Jewish people. And I, I don't say that lightly. I mean, I, I watch him. I see the things he says. I saw yesterday in Israel how his heart was touched, and he gets it, and he understands that Hamas must be destroyed. So, yeah, anti-Semite, let's save that for the real anti-Semite. Look, there's a political agenda on the left uh, to crucify Musk, basically. And the ADL is part of it. The ADL is not the organization interested in the defamation of the Jewish people like it used to be. I mean, going after Musk is absolutely preposterous. Yes, he made mistakes. And we can say that. It's okay. But you know, people want to crucify the guy, and it's political. Yeah. No, I know. If Greenblatt had a real set of balls, Mr. Greenblatt, Mr. ADL, uh, he'd be going after Bernie Sanders before he'd go after Elon Musk. Oh, and, you're absolutely correct. Right? You're absolutely correct. Uh, you know, how, how much does he go after, you know, the radicals in the Democratic Party? You know, every now and then. But when it comes to Musk, this, it's like a mission. It's yeah. a crusade yeah. Yeah. to hurt this guy. Uh, I am proud to call Musk a friend of the Jewish people, period. And I'm proud to call you a friend. I love you so much, Dove Hyken. Uh, you, your lovely wife, your son, the whole family, you have no idea. I wish you nothing but a safe trip to Israel tonight. I know we'll speak many, many times when you are there. Thank you for being my friend. Thank you for being a great voice for the Jewish people. God bless you. Travel safely, my friend. And, th and thank you for being there for all of us, for all of us. And I mean not just the Jewish community, but for America. That's what it's all about. Thank you, Dove. Travel safely. There he is, folks, the king of all Jews on his way back to Israel. My friend Dove Hyken, that sets up the second half of the show. First half, terrific, right? Debbie Schlussel, Curtis Sliwa, Dove Hyken. Still a come, folks. Not nearly, nearly done. Michael Goodwin, Rudy Giuliani. And coming up next hour, the great one himself, Mark Levin. Tuesday with Sid. Not Maury. Tuesday with Sid. I'll be right back. Skilly Dan, come on, man. The girls don't seem to care tonight. As long as the moon is right. No standing on the Sid and friends in the morning. For my friends. 77 WABC. Sid, you have the best morning show in the business, and it's a privilege for me to play a small role in it. I listen to you on the way in here, meaning, you know, I turned it on on ABC streaming. It's very exciting. You have a very natural flow. You keep it moving, you know, even oh with all the ads in between, you can still hear Sid. And you got a nice voice. You got a, a, an on-air presence that comes across, Sid. And I know why you're successful. I mean, you relate to the audience, and they hear you. My friend Carrie Lake. Carrie, good morning. How are you? You have the best show in America, <laughs> which is why I wake up at ungodly hours to come on. Your I know show. it's early. Being on your show, Sid, I'm telling you, you're terrific. You, you've got it. You're you're the you're a showman, and I was I appreciated being you know just being with you on the show. Wow. Your voice, however, I find is very soothing and very listenable, and you are the best in the business for a reason. Oh, my God. And, you, and also, you have 
like uh, the tonality, uh, like you know what you're getting right away. It's like, I'm Sid Rosenberg, I'm a New Yorker, and I'm going to give it to you straight, right? Like that's what you're going to get. Can I say something real quick? Sure. There's a reason you're number one in New York. You are fantastic. Oh my you God. really are fantastic. So did you think your career was over after I did. that? I remember waking up the next morning going, I'm 33 years old, and I can't believe it's over. And I didn't listen to Imus, to be honest with you. I listen to you. Right. You know? And, but, uh, well, so does Imus. Of course. Yeah. But in the 70s, when I was a kid going to school, my dad would listen to Imus, you know, right, right. before you were a monster star. And so I thought I knew a little bit about the show. So I figured when I got there, it was just total zany. No idea that he was trying to become a different type of guy. You well, know? here you are, a sports expert, and I can see you got the gift of gab and everything. You are number one, and you're a great guy and a great friend, and just take care of yourself, and we'll speak to you again soon. I said earlier, which made Lou laugh, so I guess I'll say it again. If you're keeping score at home <laughs> of the folks who are over the top in their testimonials about me in this program, which we all appreciate. Well, I do. I'm not sure about Lou and Justin. They seem to get aggravated. But that was Judge Napolitano. Michael Savage. I love Michael Savage. Carrie Lake who's going to win that Senate race in Arizona. That was just yesterday. Academy Award-winning actor John Voigt, face of daytime television here in New York and across the country, Kelly Ripper. Pick up uh, Bruce Blakeman, please. Uh, also, that was uh, Mark Levin, the great one himself. He'll join me coming up in about 25 minutes. Howard Stern, the king of all media, and the best president of all time, Donald Trump. Just in case... You're keeping score at home. That's a, a panoply of Come on, man. personalities. Napolitano, Savage, Lake Voigt, Ripple, Levin, Stern, That's and Trump? That takes care of, uh, yeah, a lot of people. <laughs> That's great. That's great. Justin just said he's right. What's the time uh, limit to when this is going to be longer than an interview with Brian Kilmeade? This. We could just start this. Well, well Sid, we're hit traffic. Oh, let's just play the compilation. That's uh, 14 and a half minutes. Why are those so long, me and Kilmeade, actually? I don't know why. We, t- we discuss a lot of things, but... Uh, it just hit well, me. Because you're it's... doing them in the morning. You don't have, you, yeah, you, you the... don't have a show clock. To I do it at 5.30 yeah. in the morning, right? So, But um, I don't know how long this can get. I mean, anytime somebody great comes on the show, great, and says nice things about me, not even nice, it's got to be over the top. Like yeah. they, they all said, you're number one from Trump, and Ripper, you're the best in the business, and Carrie Lake, you're the greatest. Like Bruce Blakeman right now, he's got an opportunity to make this montage. Okay, oh, yeah, let's just, see if he blows it. Let's, well, you got to let it happen in order what? Yes. What, what is the why? It has to happen naturally. You don't put it in why? their heads. I, well, he's a Nassau County executive. Yeah, you're like coercing people into doing I'm it. I'm not it's, coercing anything. I don't know. It's I didn't just... even bring it up. Lewis did. No. <laughs> <laughs> oh, now, that's the funniest thing yeah. you've said. That was, that was good. That was good. You know, <laughs> Bruce Blakeman right now is a Nassau <laughs> County executive, but uh, there are some rumblings that I've heard that... Um, we want Bruce Blakeman to be the next governor here in New York. So I don't know if he wants to do it or if he's even thought about it, but that's what we want. Anyway, here he is, 
the great Nassau County executive, my friend Bruce Blakeman. Bruce, good morning, pal. How are you? Well, it's always a pleasure to be on with the king of all radio. His Highness, His Excellency, Sid Rosenberg. So thank you so much for having me today. Well, congratulations. You just made it. <laughs> that, that didn't take much. What do you want to slot him? Let's slot him in between maybe uh, John Voigt and Kelly Ripa, okay? You yeah. like that, Bruce? I would love it. Thank you. <laughs> now you're going to start asking people what spot they right. want in the compilation. Well, they, they got to be comfortable with it. Exactly. Okay. Yeah. So I, I did see a story this morning, Bruce. It is uh, in the New York Post. And, man, I am so proud of you. I can't begin to tell you. You know, you called me a couple of weeks ago when you were at the uh, the big rally in Washington, D.C. I didn't even know you were Jewish until that day. And you made me proud that day. But this column really made me proud. It reads, Top Long Island Poll demands resignation of the Hofstra president over Israel-Hamas statement, quote, callous and unconscionable, this lady's name, folks, because you should know her name, is Susan Poser, which is exactly what she is. She's a poser. So now you, Bruce, you are on record in the New York Post today calling for this lady to step down. Congratulations to you, but is it at all realistic? Well, I I hope so, because uh, we've been talking to very uh, prominent people who are alumni of Hofstra University, and they're very upset. They think that Dr. Poser was... Absolutely wrong in not condemning Hamas. Uh, her her statement was weak. It, it this comes down to good versus evil. It's not complex. She said that there were complex reasons for the causal relationship between the Palestinians and the Israelis. Nonsense. This was an attack on innocent people. They murdered babies. They put babies in ovens. They kidnapped children. They raped women in front of their family. This is the kind of savages they were. And to try and draw some moral equivalency with contested territorial rights between Israel and Palestine, to me, is disgraceful. Well, I couldn't say it better, Bruce. But just from a, um, I guess, from, from a practical standpoint, is getting maybe the wealthy and influential Hofstra alma mater Getting them together and getting rid of this lady, will that do the job? I mean, I'm just asking what really has to be done to make sure she's out? Because what she said was grotesque. Yeah, well, what has to be done is there has to be a groundswell of support to make Hofstra the type of university that it's been in the past. Hofstra University has been on a steady decline under Dr. Poser, and it's a great institution with great students. And basically, they need better. Uh, It's all part of what's going on across the country. It's not just here where you have this woke philosophy, this anti-American philosophy. And, you know, I'm a proud American. You know, you said that I was Jewish. I am a proud Jew, but I'm a proud American. And this is anti-American. When you go to the Israel rally, and you see 300,000 people singing the national anthem and waving American flags. And then when you go to one of these Palestinian protests, they're stomping and spitting and ripping up and burning American flags. You know, there's a vast difference. And, and I, I love this country. And I think that it starts with our universities. We've let them get too woke. We've let them uh, espouse a philosophy that's anti-American. Everything about America to those 
very far left professors is wrong. There's nothing right about America. That's what they teach. That's what they indoctrinate our children with. And, and it's completely wrong. And it's about time we as parents, we as the tuition payers stand up and say enough is enough. We're not going to take this anymore. Well, maybe you guys should show up at this ridiculous vigil for peace rally that uh, this Dr. Poser wants to put together and wave, uh, not you necessarily, but uh, Long Island residents, wave your Israeli flags. I mean, maybe just start right there. How about that? This vigil for peace she wants to put on. Yeah, you know, first of all, there there can be no peace until Hamas is destroyed. They're a terrorist organization. They're no different than ISIS or Al-Qaeda. They're actually more vicious, and they need to be destroyed. That needs to be job number one. And if she doesn't understand that and she doesn't understand that they are pure evil, then what a poor lesson she is teaching the students of Hofstra University. Yeah. You know, I wonder, I just got a, a message from a lady named Kim who's pretty active um, on my um, on my Instagram, nice lady. She says, I'm an alum of Hofstra. They're not getting a nickel with Poser as its president. And I saw, forget who it was, maybe Tulsi Gabbard, I saw somebody on a Fox News piece over the weekend, and they said that as long as Jewish people stop giving money to these universities in big ways, that it, A, may reduce some of these pro-Palestinian rallies at these schools, and B, may be aid in getting rid of horrible faculty or even deans like uh, Dr. Poser here. Uh, do you agree that we need to start right there, that if you're a Jewish person giving money to a university that's having these issues, you need to stop right now? I think it needs to stop from Jewish contributors, but more importantly, common sense Americans need to stop. Because as I said, this is anti-American as much as it is anti-Israel. Right, but this will hurt Israel you. But, but, but this, but, but this will America hurt you. America is the main core. I get it, but but this will hurt you because Hofstra is one of your beloved schools in the county you're the executive for. What I'm trying to say, Bruce, is that if you're on board with me and you agree that folks, Jewish and non-Jewish, should stop giving money to to these universities, you're willing. Uh, to a certain extent, to take it on the chin at your own big-time school to prove a larger point, yes? Well, absolutely, because I think what we're doing is we're fighting for the soul of America. We need to get back to American values and teach American history and teach it in a way where, yeah, we talk about the good, the bad, and the ugly, but not that everything that America does is bad, not trying to indoctrinate people to weaken America not trying to indoctrinate people that they have some sense of privilege or right, that they don't have to work, that everything can be given to them for free. Uh, this country was founded on hard work and good moral values, and uh, I think that we need to get back to that. Agreed. In the last uh, 60 seconds, this is Nassau County Executive Bruce Blakeman, who I predict will have a huge position. Not that this is small, by the way. Nassau County is bigger than about 45 states. But I believe that uh, the future is so bright for this guy. Who knows what he can do? Uh, Bruce, uh, today it looks like they're going to expel George Santos. You've been at the very front of that. You, Peter King, Joe Cairo, uh, the folks out there like Anthony D'Esposito, who I love desperately. Uh, all you folks on Long Island have made it your business to make sure Santos is out. And it looks like today may be that day. Your thoughts on that? Well, uh, I spoke to Joe Cairo last night, the Republican chairman, and he has 12 outstanding people 
that he is interviewing. They're doing an extensive background check on all of them, and they're going to uh, do a survey to see uh, if they uh, if they poll well and if uh, if they have what it takes to be elected. Because we want to keep that seat Republican. So we're going to do everything to keep that seat Republican. And I think we will keep it Republican if we get a good candidate and we fight hard. See, that's the problem with Santos. For all the stuff he's done, and some of it may in fact be criminal, a lot worse than getting expelled today, he's facing maybe a long day in court. But he did, he did vote for America and Israel almost every time. So we need somebody to mirror the way he voted a Republican, yes. No, absolutely. We need a Republican in that seat. We need to keep uh, the House Republican. We need to keep the majority, because right now all we have is the House to hold back even more crazy spending, uh, inflation that's that's off the charts, uh, a weak defense. We're, we're down 60,000 soldiers in the Army. Uh, we need to turn this country around, and the only way to do that, in my view, is to have Republican leadership in Congress and in the White House. So when Nassau County Executive Bruce Blakeman and Suffolk County Executive Ed Romaine go to King Umberto's for dinner, who pays the check? Well, if he comes to Nassau County, I'm the host, so i got to pick up the check. Oh, okay. Well, who's got better restaurants, Nassau and oh, Suffolk? Definitely Nassau County. That's, that's not even debatable. <laughs> I don't even know. Do I even? Is there a famous restaurant I should know in Suffolk County? I don't know of any, but there got to be, right? I don't know any famous restaurants outside of Nassau County. You like Eddie, though, right? He's a good guy. Yes, Bruce? Yeah, he's a real solid guy. Uh, he's very experienced, and I think we're going to have a great working relationship. Bruce, go out there and get this uh, lady poser. Uh, again, again I'm, I'm proud to be a friend of yours. I think you're doing a phenomenal job out there in Nassau County, and uh, getting this lady out at Hofstra would be huge. So good luck and continued success. Thank you for calling in this morning. Thank you so much, Sid. Appreciate it. You're the man. There he is, Nassau County Executive Bruce Blakeman. And we just, uh, we keep going here, Lewis. We just keep going. Rudy Giuliani coming up next hour. The New York Post columnist, many think the best in the country, Michael Goodwin, coming up next hour. And coming up in about 13 minutes, the great one, Mark Levin. Keep it right here. You let your mind Sit in friends in the morning. Entertaining and informative. Oh, you're my best friend. 77 WABC.
daughter extremes. Just ahead of Mark Levin, Rudy Giuliani, and Michael Goodwin. That is a excellent trio about to come your way. You know, it's um, funny putting stuff in my phone this morning for December. You know, I have a habit of saying yes to things and then I forget about it. And most of the time I don't want to do it after I say yes, but but my December is is crazy. It's too much. You know I have three events on one night, December the thirteenth. Well there's no way you're gonna be able to make that work. No. Right. Uh that is Gabriel's first basketball game. He had his first practice yesterday. I'm so proud of my son I can't begin to tell you. In fact, today is giving Tuesday. You know what that means, Justin? Yeah, because you made me uh, educate myself on it this morning. Right. Well, I want you to be selfish. Okay. You know, we have no problem take, 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 but every now and then we got to give. You know. Yeah, that's the whole point of Giving Tuesday, right? So I want to do is I want to uh, give some luck, some lucky people a chance to watch this show live, Ooh. which is very exciting. Have a chance to meet all you tards. Wow, what do the losers get? Judy did there. I got it. This is and then you're um, going to agree to, and then not one. Not one. Well, this, this is on behalf of uh, our charity, Dyspoxia DCD America. So. Let's okay. put this yeah, in the phone. On Write that December down. December yeah. 13th. We'll get oh, not on December oh. 13th, you oh. tard. Oh, tard. Tard, too. <laughs> Today is Giving yeah. Tuesday. I made that mention. But right. I was talking about Gabriel. And, of course, uh, the charity we started, Danielle and I, was inspired by my son, who was diagnosed with dyspoxia. But I'm so proud of him because he wasn't supposed to do any of this, let alone try out for the JV basketball team and have a game coming up. Well, that's in New Jersey, December the 13th. Also on that night, our dear friend James Orsini, probably the top oncologist in the state of Jersey. You know my buddy, Jimmy. Every year he takes Danielle and I to a wonderful restaurant in Manhattan, and then we go to a concert with him and Stephen Van Zandt and a host of others. A couple of years ago, we saw Sebastian Maniscalco live. Last year, maybe two years ago, we saw Bocelli. And had a chance to go backstage, but he's got Bocelli tickets again. And he's invited us on the 13th. And then the coup de gras, well, right now I'm leaning towards going and will go, is the huge honor that John and Margot Katsimatidis and Rabbi Butman bestow on me every year. And that's lighting the largest menorah in the world outside the Plaza Hotel on Fifth Avenue. That's also December the 13th. So I got Gabe's basketball game, Bocelli. And the menorah. Now, I'm going to pick the menorah. Well, which, well, what's the order? Are they different times? No, they're not even different times. Okay, good luck. But I'm just trying to point out that um, almost every night in December, I've got at least one, if not two things I've been invited to. Okay, the 14th. What do you got? 14th, believe it or not, I have to go to Woodbridge, New Jersey the next <laughs> night. I swear to God. <laughs> and I'm making an appearance at a jewelry uh, outlet. Mm-hmm. It's me, Ernie Anastas. And what? Frank Morano. What? No. I swear to God. At what? that night? 14th. The 14th. What are you doing? Okay. You I'm getting it. paid. That's all you need to know. Oh, I see. Yeah. Right. Well, that's one of the positives of going out. Well, uh, I was going to say I'll do respect <laughs> to Ernie yeah. and Frank, but uh, uh, come on. You're doing a thing with <laughs> Frank Morano and myself, Sid. That's quite the positive. Well, when is the Christmas party? Oh, well, last year. Now, it's funny, because last year I went to Bo Dito's Christmas party with Danielle. Bo likes uh, some place in Northport, by the way. I forgot the name of it now. What did he say? Robles. 
But then uh, we went from there here. Yeah, his was close by here. Very close right. by. And this was a great party John and Margot put on last year. I distinctly remember a uh, allegedly drunk Macedonia Bill doing karaoke to Taylor Swift. Not allegedly. It was hilarious. It wasn't allegedly? <laughs> He had like 90 beers, I swear to God. I heard he did something Like 90. Else. So. Oh, I'm sure he did. Can't talk about that. What is it? Don't worry about it. That was a really good party. very disruptive. No, he wasn't. He had a good time. He was great. Leave him alone. Leave Phil alone. Everybody was great. We loved Phil. So are we doing it again this year? Is there a party this year? I, I would imagine we're doing it again what, this year. Why isn't the NBA on right now? <laughs> why Why can't I see the Nuggets? No, he was into it, man. He was singing and drinking. Totally and yes. Margo did a couple of songs. And yeah. me and Emily and Chad, me, Chad, and John did a little Sinatra. It was a great party. Like, I legitimately loved it. No, it was and really I hate fun. I hate company Christmas parties. <laughs> this was great. Yeah, it was fun. It was fun. You were there. You were drunk. Uh, yes, both of those things. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh. And then I've got, uh, now, Idala invited me on the 6th of the 7th to Rayo's, Tuesday night, not Thursday night. And then uh, something else has popped up on my, the 20th, I'm taking, uh, Anthony Carone is taking me and Gabriel to the Knicks-Nets game at Barclays. Christmas Day, the 25th, me and Gabe. Thanks to Dr. Mark Siegel, are going to watch the Knicks and Bucks at Madison Square Garden. I got a lot going on, right? Yeah, that's uh, that's quite a Christmas, I, right there. That is, yeah. I know. Yeah. Wow. Okay. Yeah. Good luck. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but hey, Justin, I need you to figure out a way to make this uh, for Giving Tuesday again. I want to um, get a couple of uh, folks. People ask me all the time, "Can I come watch your show?" All the time. Like who? So the strange people. I don't mean strange like you. I mean strangers, I should say. Strangers like up on the street? Yeah, like on the street. Like, hey, man, I would love to come watch you one day. Kind of like when Tony Monero walked off the dance floor, you know. So, like, sit here, right here. Yeah, right here. All day. Right here, right now. And you would would welcome that. Welcome him in. That's Uh, right. I'm sure you would love that. I have no idea. I'm sure the day will come around and you'll be beaming. You you won't be able to wait for it. Alec, would you just take this guy into another room? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. He'd be so excited. I don't even know. I don't know who he is. I don't know where I This is unbelievable. Only you bastards can ruin Giving Tuesday. You're talking about people on the street. You don't know where yeah. they're from. You no. Don't know what... no, they have not been vetted. That's right. You can blame Eric Adams. Okay. Blame Eric Adams. Okay. If they're working with a kafir, they can't stay. All right. Anyway, coming up next, talking about giving. Must be Jewish. <laughs> yeah. oh, That's got, right. No Palestinians. Your, you've got your standards. Right? Yeah. <laughs> uh, Mark Levin is coming up next. 77 WABC. This is Sit in Friends in the Morning. No, I get by with a little help from my friends. What we don't see on the front pages of newspapers, what we don't see all too often on TV is extraordinary work that's going on behind the scenes, the quiet diplomacy that President Biden is, you know, is taking part in. You know, you hear, oh, wait, there's a snag in the hostage negotiations. And I remember this weekend, I looked at you, I said, you watch, Joe Biden's going to get on the phone. Mm-hmm. And you've got, of course, uh, you, you've got, whether it's Anthony Blinken or Jake Sullivan or Bill Burns or, or, or I mean, uh, Brett McGurk or 
all of these people that are doing such extraordinary work, they're quietly working behind the scenes. And sure enough, yeah. we heard a few hours later, there's been a break in the impasse because President Biden got on the phone and he started calling, whether it was our allies in the region or whether it was the, the, the head of you know, the Qatari government, uh, the mayor of Qatar, uh, the Israelis. It's, it's extraordinary work being done by Joe Biden. I mean, is there a bigger asshole, as I asked earlier, in all of television and media than Joe Scarborough? But maybe I'm missing something. I don't know. Maybe I'm watching the wrong people because I listen and watch people like Mark Levin, the great one, because I think he's the smartest guy on TV and radio. But clearly, uh, Levin, who's joining me right now, clearly, Levin, you're not paying attention because, according to Joe Scarborough, Joe Biden is doing a magnificent job. Joe Scarborough, can you hear me okay? Unfortunately, I have a bad connection. I hope you can hear me. You sound great. Scarborough is a whore. That's what he's always been. He's a chameleon. Uh, he's one of these disaffected Republicans who failed in Congress, failed on radio, failed on Fox, and then he winds up on this uh, MSNBC, which has an audience of basically sonograms and airport radar. That's pretty much <laughs> where he is. And I'll tell you something, Sid. He said the other day that if Donald Trump's elected president, Trump will imprison people and execute people. This is a very sick man. Comcast should have pulled his ticket a long time ago. And I will say this. I'm doing a list of all the things Trump did for Jews and Israels and all the things Biden did. Let me tell you something. There wouldn't be hostages but for the fact that Biden Blinken blew up the Middle East. There wouldn't be hostages but for the fact that they rearmed the Iranian regime, which rearmed Hamas and Hezbollah. There wouldn't be hostages, but they blew up the Abraham Accord. There wouldn't be hostages, but they spent hundreds of millions of dollars on the Palestinians who rearmed themselves. And now they take credit. Joe Biden's on the phone. We see Joe Biden. He's shuffling around. He's bumping in the walls. He can't complete sentences. Everybody knows that man is a disaster in every respect. As far as Blinken goes, Blinken was so bad that John McCain went to the Senate floor and spoke for a half hour when he was nominated to be Deputy Secretary of State under Obama. Blinken's so bad, he brings in this guy uh, who is an Iranian puppet, who brings in an Iranian spy ring to negotiate on behalf of us on the New Deal. Blinken is so bad that he's now working with the Arab countries, the Muslim countries, and the weak European countries to get Israel to give up one-third of its land, Judea and Samaria, to the PLO, the Arafat-founded PLO. So the absolute outcome of this will be that the Israelis fight and die for their defense, and the Palestinians get a new country. Now, let me ask you something, Sid. What's this new country going to look like? Will they have an air force? <laughs> will they have missiles? Who's going to stop them? Now, Biden is betraying Israel. He's betraying the Jews at home. He meets secretly with these radical Muslim groups, tells them he's sorry he's been using Hamas's statistics. You've got the Democrat Party that has a huge anti-Semitic element within it, and that includes at the White House and the State Department and DHS and elsewhere. All these university professors, all these university students are Democrats. They're going to vote Democrat. You've got Soros and his front groups supporting these violent rioters in the United States. 
And so I don't want to hear that Joe Biden is good with Israel. I don't want to hear that. But for Joe Biden, the hostages would be out. The Israelis need to be given a green light to crush these bastards as fast as they can. And now there's a new one out today, Sid. And that is the White House is telling the Israelis, do not displace the uh, Palestinians in South Gaza. This is like the 15th requirement on the Israelis. They don't want them to win. They want to turn all this back over to the Palestinians. They want to give the Palestinians more land. And then they want to pretend that they're the saviors. It makes me sick to my stomach. And Joe Scarborough is a complete thug. Boy, that was brilliant, Mark Levin. This is why you are the great one, and uh, you laid it out perfectly, and you're right. Biden has betrayed America. Let me remind folks, he once again, once again mentioned two-state solution just two days ago. Two-state solution. Hey, moron, we've clearly tried that, right? And what do we end up with? Dead babies in ovens and our daughters being raped, you lowlife. But let me get to the uh, the Hamas situation. I had a young activist in here yesterday, Mark. Her name is Lizzie Savetsky, and she's widely known uh, as a uh, as about as pro-Israel as it gets. And I asked her a question that many people were uncomfortable with, but I'm okay with the question. And that is this. Would you rather get the hostages home or destroy Hamas? Now, she's a mother of three, and she's like, I'm a mom, and all those kids are my kids, and all the Jewish hostages are my kids. She gave a perfect answer for the radio. But I thought that was a very, very fair question, because the longer we do this, 10 more today, 10 more tomorrow, 10 more in a week, Hamas gets exactly what they want, and I'm not okay with that. Am I being insensitive? I happen to agree with you 100%. Let me put it to you a little differently. If Israel doesn't defeat Hamas now, it never will. And what does that mean? That means atrocities as far as the eyes can see. That means more hostages as far as the eyes can see. That means Iran is empowered. Hezbollah is empowered. And that means the failed Biden policy, failed in Afghanistan, failed with Ukraine, failed in every respect on the border, in the economy, will take hold. And Israel's very existence will be threatened. So the Israelis need to defeat these these terrorists, these Nazis, as fast as they can, because Biden is stabbing them in the back. Lincoln's stabbing in the back. They do not want them to win, because if they win, then they view their problem as the Israelis and Netanyahu, which they have a campaign to try and ruin him, and all these other things. The Biden administration wants to rejigger the Middle East. And Hamas is playing. You know why they haven't released many American hostages, they're going to save them for near the end because they're playing Biden for the fool that he is. And so they'll drag it out another day, another five days, another week. You heard Biden say, you know, as long as we keep getting hostages, it's Iran calling the shots. He paid Iran $6 billion for hostages. Obama paid Iran God knows how much for hostages. They got it. They understand what they're doing. Our problem is we have this buffoon, we have this ideologue in this Blinken. We have a corrupt media that sides with Hamas. We have guys that have their heads so far up Biden's ass like Scarborough that no matter what he does, they're going to defend. But I want your listeners to understand Biden today is betraying Israel. He's betraying them. I don't care what the leadership of Israel has to say. You and I call him as we see him. That's what's going on. And domestically, he's betraying the Jews in this country with a secret meeting with Muslims and apologizing them. For, for Joe Biden, 
Joe Biden is a nasty street politician. And what he sees is the uh, the Palestinian Arab Muslim population in the United States is increasing significantly. The Jewish population is not. He wants to win Michigan. He wants to win these other states. And so for Biden, the chameleon, he'll be, for instance, when he comes to the Senate, he's an anti-black racist. Now he's an equity sort of embracing the Bernie Sanders Marxist stuff. He will do whatever he has to do. And as of right now, did you hear them, Sid? All the Democrats are talking about we now need to condition any aid is or military aid on conditions. So in other words, either the Jewish state complies with the Biden administration's mandates or they're not going to get any money. Do they do this to any other country? Iran's getting $70 billion a year because he won't enforce the sanctions. Israel gets $3.8 billion, none of which leaves the United States, all of which is put on a credit line at the Pentagon to buy weapons from American corporations to send to Israel. Iran is getting $70 billion. They're funding the Chinese. They're funding the Russians. They're funding the Hutus. They're funding the yabba-dabba-doos and every other terrorist organization out there. And it's Israel that they're putting the screws to. I mean, it's sickening. I think the only thing more sickening than everything you just laid out, Mark Levin, the great one, of course, uh, Mark is on 6 p.m. every weeknight on this station and is uh, the best listen there is. I, I, I would say more sickening, Mark, uh, the amount of Jews, you're a Jewish man, I'm a Jewish man, living in America, Jewish people, that are not only okay, but say the same thing about Joe Biden that Joe Scarborough does. Now, I know the latest polls have our mutual friend Donald Trump ahead very, very slim margin, but ahead, that's the good news. Six out of the last seven polls have Trump winning the presidency today. But I'm still shocked. I'm shocked by the amount of Jews in this country that will still rally behind Joe Biden. What am I missing, Levin? I'll tell you what's going on here. I talked about this. There's, there's, is Judaism an ethnicity or, or a faith? It's both. It's both. But the Jews who are radical left Democrats, some of the Marxists like Jamie Raskin and Bernie Sanders and their ilk, they don't believe Judaism is a faith. Oh, they'll go the high holidays to, re- to reforms if they go at all. But they have nothing in common with Orthodox Jews, nothing. They don't even understand them. And in fact, when Orthodox Jews went office in Israel, they call them extreme right-wing religious parties. And this is why they their, their religion is... Democrat Party, radical leftism, even though their ethnicity is Jewish. See, that is the problem. So they try to take on Netanyahu. They attack the religious parties in Israel. They undermine the Orthodox Jews in Brooklyn and other places in this country, South Florida. They back Joe Biden because Joe Biden, they will back a two-state solution because that's their ideology. Their real faith is Marxism and the Democrat Party, even though they're ethnic Jews. Whereas you and I, where you go, you know, during the summers and so forth, where I go and so forth, we are ethnic and religious Jews. It doesn't mean that we're ultra, you know, this or ultra that, or we follow the 613 rules and all the rest. But we understand the faith. These people detest their own faith because they view themselves as Democrats and leftists first. That is their faith. That is Marxism. And so I saw a report on a cable show the other day where Bernie Sanders says we need to have all these conditions on Israel before they get another penny of military support, two-state solution, and then on and on and on. 
And then the reporter says, and he says that as a Jew. And so the, the, what I call self-hating Jews are the worst enemy that Israel has. So yes. I agree with you 100%. Last one, uh, Mark. It goes back to what you mentioned earlier, the campuses here. I just had the Nassau County Executive Bruce Blakeman on, and he is uh, trying his hardest to get rid of Hofstra's president, uh, some lady, Dr. Poser, who actually talks about the Palestinian struggles over the years and makes it sound like like Bernie Sanders and Ron Kuby that that uh, it's almost, uh, well, you almost can believe why they did what they did, believe it or not. Uh, and we've seen this in so many schools across the country, uh, all these uh, rallies, obviously. Uh, even I can't even watch ESPN College Game Day anymore, Mark, on a Saturday morning leading up to college football because I'm not sure if these kids are rooting for Michigan to beat Iowa in the morning and then wearing cup ears in the afternoon. They will make me sick, I swear to God. Uh, so where are we with this? Is it as simple as... If Jewish people, not even Jewish people, if big donors, big donors stop donating money, will the message uh, get clear then, or is it more than that? It's more than that. We have a huge problem in this country. Uh, the universities and colleges have been devoured by really Stalinists and Islamists. Uh, you have this whole tenure system set up, which is a protection racket for these radical Marxist Islamist professors. It's incestuous because they hire each other. The faculty and the administration hires these people. They decide who's admitted. Uh, there is no free speech or academic freedom on any of these campuses. These are, uh, this is the birthplace of terrorism in America. We have student visas that are not being monitored. So we have a lot of people coming out of the Middle East, including countries where, where they, they preach hatred to America and hatred to Jews. People are overstaying their student visas when they're here. Nobody's going through that because we have open borders. We don't know who's coming here. Our media is filled with these reprobates who come out of these colleges, the Jake Tappers and the and others. MSNBC is the worst of the worst. Uh, and they bring these people in. One of them worked for Al Jazeera, and he is a Israel hater from beginning to end. Comcast owns MSNBC. Comcast owns NBC. So from the media, the whole culture has been devoured. So it's going to take somebody like a Donald Trump to unravel this, to take their time. And that's why they're calling the man who was the greatest friend of Israel and the Jews in the history of Israel, and in my lifetime, Hitler. In fact, last week they said he's worse than Hitler. Yep. Can you imagine that? Yep. Yeah, I know. Worse yeah. than Hitler? Yeah. And uh, and if he were to run for prime minister, which you don't really do, but if he were to run for prime minister in Israel, he'd win by a landslide. That's the difference, what I'm talking about, between the self-haters and those who believe in their faith. And, uh, and, and this is a huge problem in this country, and we have to begin to unravel it step by step. There are ways to do it. But if Biden's reelected, and if the Democrats are – look at Schumer. What a complete schmuck this guy is. <laughs> what a complete schmuck this guy is. Everybody, oh, look at this, the Jewish leader of the Democrats, and they said, how so? He didn't fight the Iran deal. He said he was opposed to it behind the scenes. He's working for it with Obama, trying to take out Netanyahu. He's not leading the fight to give support to Israel. This guy's a phony and a fraud because he's worried about AOC. I mean, if you have guys like that, uh, you, I just want people who are Democrats who are listening to understand, if you're a Democrat, can you tell me why? And if you vote Democrat, why are you voting for your own destruction? 
Oh, that is such a good question. I pose that to family members and friends who who still go, I'm a Democrat. Why? As if as if it's a badge of honor, as if that makes you courageous. You're on the wrong side of just about everything. Why would you want to be labeled that, including this, on the way out? Mark, you know you're listening to a Democrat when they find a way to add this word in the same sentence as anti-Semitism. You ready? The word is... Islamophobia. Now, I know three Palestinians got shot a couple of days ago somewhere in this country. But outside of that, can you tell me one damn case of Islamophobia compared to the thousands and thousands that march every day to kill the Jews? One. You're right about the three. That's horrible. But that is an, 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 an incident, not a systemic Islamophobia issue. And what I've been saying, Sid, you want to see Islamophobia? You go to the Middle East where the Muslims are. And they're slaughtering each other every day. Syria slaughtered close to a half a million Muslims, their own people. Iran is raping and murdering its own population, Muslims. Uh, About 40, 50, uh, let me say, 50, 60 years ago, Jordan slaughtered Palestinian Muslims, when the Palestinians were trying to overthrow that mosque. You know what this reminds me of, now that you just said this? This reminds me of the same thing with the nonsense with white supremacists and neo-Nazis, because much like the Muslims kill the Muslims, the blacks kill the blacks. That's right. You can't talk about these things, but the fact is you can't resolve them. You can't make honest policy if it's built on radical left-wing ideology. Which is why I wrote the book. Honestly, I'm not hawking it anymore. It's over. The Democrat Party hates America. When you go through this, it's an ideology that has a home in the Democrat Party, whether it was slavery, whether it was segregation, whether it was eugenics. And now it is an, a, a, an anti-American party that embraces Marxism over capitalism and freedom that embraces these radical elements that is still anti-Semitic, that is anti-Asian, and quite frankly, always has been and still is anti-black. If people understood the history of the Democrat Party, and I go right after FDR and LBJ and Obama and Biden, just ask yourself this question. What exactly has Biden done for the black population in this country? He's impoverished it. What exactly did Obama, the first black president, do for the black population of this country? Did he support school choice? He destroyed it. Are our communities safer? He destroyed them. People need to understand, you look at the Democrat Party through the lens of power. So the Democrat Party right now is trying to determine where it stands in the Middle East. And where it stands in the Middle East is against Israel, just as it stands against the United States, just as it has our border open, just as it's destroying our economy and our schools, our public schools and our energy system, and all the rest. This is a suicidal party that wants to destroy the society, to recreate it, which means it wants to destroy your lifestyle, which wants to destroy the family unit, which wants to crush any religious objection, and that's exactly what they're doing here in Israel and everywhere else they touch. Jeez, Mark, you are out. You're just amazing. And just to emphasize the Obama point, I want to remind folks, BLM was born under... Barack Obama, during that whole Michael Brown, Freddie Gray nonsense. You're uh, you're beautiful. I, I can't thank you enough. Uh, obviously, uh, happy Thanksgiving, happy holidays. I hope we talk again before 2024, Mark. But every time you're on, man, it is a huge, huge deal for me. You're just brilliant. So thank you so much. 
Well, I want everyone to know that Sid and I really are tight. We do love each other. We text nice. each other. Oh. And uh, and New York and WABC is very lucky to have you, brother. Uh, you take too. care of yourself. You too. Thank you. I, do, I, I get all excited when you text me. I'm not going to lie, especially your tweets. Mark, be well. We'll talk again very, very soon. There he is, the great one, Mark Levin, with another amazing appearance here on Sid and Friends in the Morning. That wraps up our number three. Rudy Giuliani, Michael Goodwin, still to come. and informative. This is Sit in Friends in the Morning. 77 WABC. I am just a poor boy, though my story is seldom told. I squandered my resistance for a pocket full of mumbles, such are promises. All lies and chess, still a man hears what he wants to hear and disregards the rest. Vicky Palladino, as we speak on Fox News, talking about this Hillcrest school. I guess that's her part of Queens. I don't know. Saying Jewish teachers say they don't feel safe at school. Of course they don't. Or the students. I love Vicky Palladino. You like Vicky Palladino, Lewis? Yes. I was just about to look up if that actually is her. It's got to be. I mean, she's on Fox News. It's got to be. We all love her. And uh, we're happy she won her election, city council. Justin Brannon, who won, we were not happy about that, is now talking about challenging our friend Nicole Maliotakis in Congress. They're about to redistrict again. Which I don't know. It's, it's, it's like cheating. I, I I don't get that whole redistricting thing. The Democrats keep changing all these things to try to win races. And oust otherwise good people like Nicole Maliotakis and Mike Lawler. You know anything about this um this redistricting stuff, Noam? Why, in fact, these people keep getting away with this? I'd be the first one to tell you that I don't totally understand it. But, yeah, yeah. it's all about sort of making a district either really blue or really red for the rest of history. Right. Yeah. But why are they allowed to do it? Uh, again, I, I don't totally understand Are it. you They're ready just... to shed your Democrat label yet? Are you there yet? What do you mean? I don't, you, you, you make a lot of assumptions about my label. But I don't know that I've ever talked to you about it. You're further to the left than Bernie Sanders. <laughs> so are you ready? I mean, well, we've I... seen examples, though, of Hiken, Tulsi Gabbard, others that uh, I'm not going to mention. They're anecdotal, but they don't want to be, I guess, uh, what's what I'm outed. Are you ready? But will you make it official right here, right now, that you know well, him, Layton, being mm-hmm. the proud Jew that you are? Right. You've had enough of this disgusting party. It's well, disgusting. I don't know that I, anybody really wants me to make that proclamation. I do. I do. It'll make me really, really happy. It'll make Mark Levin happy. <laughs> It'll make the hostages. I'm not really laughing. I'm being honest. It'll make right. the hostages somewhere in Gaza happy. Wait, are they listening to us, the hostages in Well, I, w- Gaza? I wish they could. Are you, are you big in the uh, Gaza Strip? Well, you know I'm big in Israel. 
Right. Right now, as we speak, uh, I'm, I'm not even kidding. I mean, you, uh, Heinekman had all of those Israeli soldiers and all his friends download the free 77 WABC app, which you should all do if you're in your car right now. And you're like, oh, my God, I love Sid. If I get to the office again, listen, just download the 77 WABC app. You can listen all day or just listen to this show time and time and time again, like they do with Stern on satellite. I don't know how good the Wi-Fi is in those tunnels. Well, in, in Gaza, so I'm not sure. <laughs> She'll do anything to deflect. <laughs> Just keep deflecting. All I want you to do right now is show some courage like for the Jewish people. Re- you know, unless they have like a um, an extender. Like, have you ever had one of those extenders? I, I, I don't know right. what you're even talking about. No, long, it'd be a long extension. You know, like I'm, I have a big yeah. house, so we need an oh. extender to get the right, Wi-Fi right. higher. You know, yeah. to the house. No. So, I don't worry about oh, that because like those, yeah. I'm a Republican. We don't have to worry about those types of things. Get those at Radio Shack. Yeah, I love it when it's rough. <laughs> are you going to vote for Trump this time? No? I, I haven't decided who I'm voting for yet. Yes, you have. And won't was, tell you either. Yeah. He's never going to tell me. But, but I, people tell me anyway because I have people in, in uh, places he doesn't believe <laughs> Right, to see me voting. <laughs> yeah, I want to see Noel Layton's ballot. They're going to follow him out his house to see where he goes. See, <laughs> look, I got this picture of Noel. I think, is, is it on, fair but... to say right now that Noel is, I don't even know what Joe Nolan is. I can't tell. Oh, Joe Nolan's a Republican. Yes, he is. Right. That's right. What am I saying? No two ways about it. Right. If you can get a picture of Noam walking into the polls, then you can sit live here in studio. (laughs) Oh, yeah. That's a good one. (laughs) Is Noam right now the the lone liberal on this show? Justin is on my side. Nolan's on my side. Lou's a little squishy, too. I don't Uh, know. uh, No, I am common sense. Common sense, which means you're you're a Democrat. Because they they always say common sense when they have no common sense. I mean none. How could you say that? I I think they should take Biden out today. So so you're a Republican because Republicans have common sense. Democrats don't. Okay. So just say you're a Republican, not I'm common. What, What party is common sense? Did you like Bill Bradley? He was a nice basketball player for the Knicks. Okay, I knew he was don't. I care about his political stay in New Jersey. I couldn't care less. Did you think he but was? I liked a, him on the Knicks. Did you think he was a smart guy? Very smart guy. Okay. There's a lot of smart Democrats that are politicians. They're just on the wrong side of everything. Right. Everything. I, I I hear you. So you're a Republican. I pretty pretty much. Yes. I don't want to hear from my friend Kevin Breslin. I love Kevin. He's a nice guy. I like him a lot, actually. His father was a legend. You're not even common. You know, he hates Eric Adams. I get it. So you're one of three common sense Democrats. Congratulations. I mean, and you're not even Jewish. You're Irish. But um, if you're Jewish or Italian, you cannot be a Democrat. You cannot be. You can't be. Okay. You love you love your pal Alan Dershowitz, right? Yeah. Okay. He's a moron. I don't care how famous he is, how many awards he wins, how many documentaries they make, how, how much my wife loves and reveres him. I love and revere him. I think he's a genius. Of course. But he's an idiot. He comes okay, on every wait, time he comes. Do you, know that, do you know that every time Alan Dershowitz comes on, I make him admit how much he dislikes Joe Biden? He does it. And then he still votes for him. Yeah. Yes. Am I right or wrong? Yeah, he's a never Trumper. Never. It's yeah. not going to happen. Oh, I wouldn't say that. Of course I would. Which means he's not making much sense in that. No, there's no common sense. He's a brilliant man, a great attorney. But when it comes to this, he's got no common sense. Because he can bring up ten arguments against him and then say, but, but you know. Right. right. But, I, but I, I'm more concerned about um, transgender rights. Than Jews' safety in Brooklyn. Are you nuts? That's what he says, right? Am he I right, flipping? He does. Well, tell me about Alan Dershowitz. There's no way if you're a decent person, 
you can be a Democrat. There's no way. They hate our kids. They hate Jews. They hate blacks. They hate education. They hate police. They hate religion. Stop. Kevin Breslin, stop texting me. Stop. You cannot be a decent person and a Democrat. And if you're calling yourself a common-sense Democrat, what you're saying is you're a Republican. Common-sense Democrats are called Republicans. Welcome to the party, bitch. If you fall into any of these categories, please come to the studio. Asking only workmen's wages, I come looking for a job, but I get no offers. Just to come on from the wars on Seventh Avenue. I do declare there were times when I was so lonesome, I took some comfort there. La, 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 la. Friends in the morning, 77 WABC. Danielle just made me laugh. Keep the song playing. Danielle goes, uh, clearly Joe Nolan is going to retire after this job. He will have nowhere else to go. (laughs) Danielle feels like if you agree with me, then... um, Short list of suitors. Well, she wrong about that, but that okay. She funny, that lady. She cute and she funny. She gorgeous. Lou, you gave me some uh, bad news about the lady that sings this song. This is a classic. She's out the house? She just died, yeah. She died yesterday. Yesterday? She's What's her name again? Jean Knight. Jean Knight. She's from New Orleans. That's where she was born. That's all I know. It's such a cute... I like this song. It's cute. Name of the song again, Mr. Big Stuff. Is that for me? Yes. Is that because I have eight people now on my testimonial page? Yeah. Well, if just in case you're uh, keeping score at home, (laughs) (laughs) Judge Napolitano, Michael Savage, Gary. What? I'm sure he's happy. He's number one. The judge. He doesn't even know that. You know, he hasn't come on in weeks because I took off last Thursday and I'm taking off this Thursday. So. Got some Sid withdrawal going on. Sid, my friend, I've missed you a lot. <laughs> say hi to O'Reilly. Yeah, he will say that. Michael Goodwin, I believe, is one of the best interviews. I really believe this. Any radio show, anywhere, anytime. And you know what the good news is, Lou? What? He's coming up next. Woo! 77 WABC. This is Sid and Friends in the Morning. No, I get by with a little help from my friends. Holiday season, folks. Can you feel it? Come on, baby. December 8th. Not that far away. First day of Hanukkah. Christmas now. Less than a month away. December 25. 
We always celebrated it. The 24th, the Rosenbergs. It's crazy. I'm so pro-Israel, of course. I've become that guy. And I'm all too willing to accept that responsibility, and I love it. But what a lot of these folks don't know, all these new friends of mine that speak to me on Instagram from Israel, is that my parents threw the biggest Christmas Eve party in Brooklyn. 2216 Quentin Road, 250 large from Santa upstairs to a piano player to a DJ in the basement to chicken roll tini and veal parmesan at 1 o'clock in the morning. There was no Christmas party. Not even the Italians, the Goyim, did it like the Rosenbergs. Nobody. But do you feel the holiday spirit? I, 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 don't, I, I don't. I don't feel it just yet. Maybe it's because the crime, the filth, the I don't know. I just, I'm so down on New York these days, these horrible Palestinian rallies. It's not putting me in the mood of a Hanukkah and Christmas. Maybe it's just me. Let me ask Michael Goodwin. He, uh, probably the best writer in the country for the New York Post. I don't know, Mike, these uh, pro-Palestinian rallies and all this other nonsense going on in New York City. I don't really feel the Christmas or the holiday spirit yet. Do you? Good morning. Good morning, morning Sid. No, I think it's, uh, the holiday spirit is being crushed uh, by this you know, reaction to what's going on in Israel and Gaza. You know, I was struck by even the Thanksgiving Day parade that the uh, the mutts needed to disrupt that. I mean, it's for children primarily, and a lot of people come to it from out of town, and so they have to what put glue on their fingers and glue themselves to the street and disrupt this. I mean, this is this is all performance art. This is not helpful. This doesn't attract support for your cause. This just makes you look stupid. And that is, unfortunately, I think, a fair description of many of these protesters. They're stupid. Um, They don't really know anything about anything, but they decided they know how to fix the world, whatever the world's problems. They, They clearly have no understanding of history. They don't know anything about the Mideast. They don't know anything about war. Uh, and so we're all left just to kind of suffer through, sit in traffic when they block bridges or hear them roar, you know, wherever they are, wherever they decide to show up. Uh, but it's really ignorance on parade. Funny, two things struck me from what you just said, which was perfect, Mike, as always. Reaction to what happened in Israel. I don't think so. I mean, yeah, that is obviously there was a cause and an effect, but... They're always looking for something. It's the same people that marched when George Floyd died. I think it has very little to do with what happened in Israel. And secondly, you talked about the cause. What is their cause exactly? Here's what I know. A bunch of terrorists, murderous terrorists, invaded uh, a beautiful uh, bunch of towns in Israel on a beautiful Sabbath, Saturday holiday morning, raped the daughters, killed their parents, cut kids' heads off, butchered the babies, threw them in ovens, and now they are chanting in the streets, river to the sea. What, what exactly is the cause, Mike? What am I missing? Well, look, I think the cause is essentially anti-Semitism. Um, I, I mean, I think there is a real movement going on, including by many New Yorkers, unfortunately, um, to eliminate Israel. And now, if you ask many of them, they would say, no, 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 we just want more fairness. We just want to help the civilians. But when you talk about those who support that chant from the river to the sea, Palestine will be free, 
that means one thing and only one thing. It is not complex as it, as some Harvard uh, professors are arguing that there it's a nuance. It's not nuance. It's not complicated. It's obvious what it means, and there's no other meaning to it. And so the people that that is a cause. It is a cause for. Many, many people. And, you know, Sid, something is really troubling me about this. So you'll recall that President Biden, who has been very supportive of Israel in the big way, I mean, he's he's cut some corners and he's undermined his own position. But just he has clearly supported Israel. And in in October, he said that he doubted the Muslim uh, numbers, the, the fatality numbers coming from Hamas. He doubted them. He doubted they were true. The next day, it turns out, he met with five Muslim Americans, including Keith Ellison, the attorney general of Minnesota. Um, and he apologized for saying that. Now, just think for a minute. The Hamas is designated by the United States government, which Joe Biden leads, as a terrorist organization. And he is apologizing for doubting the honesty and accuracy of a terrorist organization. What does that tell you about politics among Muslim Americans that these five people came to him, demanded that he be more sensitive to the other side. Well, well, hold on. What, what does it tell you about Muslim politics? First of all, Keith Ellison used to be number two in the Democrat Party. He's a well-known Jew hater and garbage, to be quite frank. But what does it tell you about Biden? You know, and, and I'm going to take offense to this, not because I don't love you, because I do love you, but a lot of people in this town are doing this and around the country, and it pisses me off. What do you mean Biden has been supportive? You just talked about it. He goes by the Hamas numbers. He has asked Israel time and time again, pause, ceasefire. In the meantime, Hamas is reloading and looking to attack again. And let's not forget, the country behind all of this is Iran, and it was Biden alone and Biden with Obama that gave this country money and loosened restrictions. His fingerprints, is they're all over this attack. He's complicit in this attack. So don't tell me that Biden has been supported because of his rhetoric. Nobody cares about that. His actions speak a lot louder than his words, and his actions are he's not pro-Israel, he's anti-Israel. No, no, you, you're, you're wrong. You're absolutely I'm wrong. wrong. Yes. Well, tell, wrong. Me, tell me what's wrong about the four things. That, well, let's well, start with the one. You said he's complicit in the attack. Well, hold on, hold on. Who, who was the one who loosened the restrictions on Iran? Who was the one that gave Iran $6 billion in the hostage swap? Who was the one that, dating all the way back to his days with Obama in that administration, gave Iran money? He was, and Iran funded this attack. So, yes, A plus B equals C. He's complicit. Yeah, I, I, well, He's in bed with I, Iran. I He's in bed with Iran, Mike. I, I don't dispute the facts that you laid out. Well, but that's I, it. I, I, let me finish. Yeah. I do disagree with that makes him complicit. I think when you're talking about a terror attack, yeah. is a really serious thing. And I don't think he's complicit in the, in the terror attack. Well, here's why he's complicit. Oh, hold on, hold on. No, hold on. Here's why he's complicit, Mike. Because if he didn't know, let me give you an example why you may be right, but you're smarter than this. If he didn't know that Iran was the biggest terrorist fund of every country around the world, I would say he didn't know. He was trying to fix it, just like Nixon did with China or like Obama tried to do with Cuba. 
He knew from back in the Obama administration that Iran's goal is to destroy America and Israel. Therefore, anything positive he did for that country falls under complicit. I, I, I don't agree. I don't think that's the definition of the word. I agree with you that his policy is wrong, but I don't yeah. think I don't think that makes him complicit in the attack. I mean, that's a really big leap. And I don't think A equals B in this. I, I think I think it goes so you, too you, far. You think that you think that funding a country, funding a country that was behind this attack, knowing full well how much they hated Israel. I don't know what you're talking about, Mike. That is exactly what the word means. He knew full well Iran wanted to destroy Israel for 25 years. When Reagan was president, we knew that. Before Biden was in power, he knew that. And he gave them money. And he loosened restrictions. They they were broke when Trump was president. Biden took over. They made billions in oil money because of Biden. I agree. That's a fact. But that is not complicity in a crime or, or a terror act. Let me make another point, if I could. The, the, uh, in terms of Biden's support for Israel, I, I have written about it, and so I agree with you. He has undercut Israel at the same time. However, however, the most important thing he did was the, the use of the carrier strike groups to go to that area. There is widespread belief within Israel that that has forestalled Hezbollah, and Iran, and that that was the purpose of it. It was to is to to make it clear that if they got into the fight, then America would be there for them for Israel's protection. That was a very important thing. It hasn't been it, it hasn't been necessary yet because it worked as a deterrent. That's an important part of helping Israel. I agree that his, his continuing claims of a ceasefire, it goes back to the point I was making uh, about uh, the, the Muslim vote in America. He, he has all along, I think, been worried about the youth vote and now the Muslim vote. That, that the youth vote who have pulled away from him, who are in the streets marching against Israel and therefore for Hamas, uh, he's worried about those votes. The Democrats need the youth vote. So he has, he has sort of tempered and undercut his own positions in many ways. Nonetheless, the carrier strike groups, two of them, they still sit there and they are still a deterrent force against Iran and Hezbollah. Okay. Um, I couldn't disagree with you more. You're talking about two carrier boats. I've laid out five or six different things, including what you're talking about. He's more concerned about the Muslim vote than he is people dying. I mean, I don't know how you don't see that this guy, no matter what he says, again, he can say all day long, I love Israel, ceases, uh, ceasefires, pauses, worried about the Muslim vote, funding Iran. I mean, I don't know what else you need to see to see that this guy is a major part of the problem, not the solution. And Israel will continue to say nice things about it because they need America. They need the money. They need the support. But I can tell you this, talking to Israelis who live there, Mike, and I have them on every day, anecdotal, but every day on this show, they're not buying Biden's crap. They're not buying it. Uh, They know that Trump, he really did care. They're not buying Biden's crap. There always seems to be another agenda behind what Joe Biden does, above and beyond he loves Israel, because you can't be close with Barack Obama, work side by side with Barack Obama, and tell me you love Israel. It's almost impossible. 
What can I say, Sid? I don't agree with you. I mean, I, I think it's more complicated than that. Uh, I've spoken to, to Israelis, too, and they are so grateful about the military aid and the carrier strike forces. You call them a few boats in the, in the Mediterranean? Yeah. Come on. This is – these are – I mean, look – you're you're free to demonize the guy. I I criticize him a lot, but I think you go too far. Okay, fair enough. And uh, and of course, indirectly complicit, right? Um, uh, but absolutely complicit, absolutely complicit, one thousand percent. You're never going to change my mind. By the way, uh, what are your it's thoughts? Mutual. On, it's right? mutual, by the way. I know. Uh, that's why you're the best writer in the country, uh, Eric Adams. What are your thoughts on him here? Clearly, I blame Biden. For just about every foreign policy that's gone awry, and all of them have, every one of them, all over the world. What about Eric Adams here? How much blame does he get, according to you? On the Israel stuff? No, Israel's been fine. Everything yeah. else going on in this city right now. Oh, well, look, I mean, I, I got an email this morning from his office about, uh, uh, you know, the the new effort, uh, you know, to try to work, work through the uh, national migrant crisis. He expanding the immigration application assistance centers convenes resettlement working group. And these are resettlement casework legal services remain key to city's long-term strategy. I didn't know the city had a long-term strategy. <laughs> I, I mean, that's news to me. There's the news. Uh, it's, it's this thing that somehow we can manage this system. He still does not say close the damn border. And until you say that, you are, I mean, there are pictures, what, uh, yesterday and today of new migrant trains yep. coming north. Yep. So I don't understand how he thinks he can manage this. Maybe some people will move in, uh, move on. They're trying to help uh, uh, them become uh, more independent so that uh, – uh, they they can work uh you know and not live in city shelters and things he is erasing the distinction between legal and illegal immigration this is what of course the democratic party at large wants to do uh that they anybody can come here and forget the process forget the rules if you come across the border you're an immigrant and therefore, we have to take care of you. We will help you. I mean, it is foolish. And you, you have to think that immigrants, would-be immigrants around the world who are playing by the rules, must feel like fools. Yeah, that is well said. Yep. And, and go to Mexico and walk across the border, and I'm there. Yep. No, you're right. Well said. Well, listen, you're not going to have this type of conversation with Kilmeade. I can promise you that. <laughs> But this was uh, this was great stuff, and I appreciate the uh, the back and forth, and and I appreciate you every time. You're a great guest and a brilliant writer, and thank you for coming on this morning. Always a pleasure, Sid. Thank my, you. my pleasure too. Thank you. And you were complicit in this great show, just so you know. <laughs> That's Michael Goodwin. We'll come back and wrap things up right after this. Nice job, Michael. Now feel the wind blow outside my door. I'm leaving my wall.